Tonight on another extra special episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, will we see a massive amount of tight ends off the board by the end of the fifth round again? Who will be the ADP rule breakers as tonight's competitors go and get their guys? And will this be the draft that the 2016 overall Pros versus Joes champion comes from? Plus, former last night's drafter from the Five Spot and DraftSharks.com senior editor Jared Smola joins me to co-host for two full hours. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fantastic show for you. Jared Small is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. live and heard around the world you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet it's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts eric balkman and dave gerzak the high stakes fantasy football hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world and now because no one else was available here are eric balkman and dave gerzak Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this extra special July 26th episode of the Pros vs. Joes High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour Edition presented by MyFFPC.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts tuning in. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host, the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle. Dave Gerzak is off tonight. However, please allow me to introduce tonight's guest co-host, he is the senior editor at DraftSharks.com, an award-winning fantasy football advice and analysis website. He's been with DraftSharks since 2007, helping take home numerous expert poll titles and league championships, including the 2010 and 2012 FSTA Most Accurate Projections Award. Please welcome in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the guy who was picking at the five spot last night, senior editor for DraftSharks, Jared Smola. What's up, man? Hey Eric, how's it going? Thanks for having me back on. Um, I never, never miss an opportunity to be on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. You know, it's funny that you say that because my normal co-host Dave Gerzak looks for every opportunity to miss the <laughs> High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. So it's, I'm, I'm very glad to have you uh, riding co-pilot last night uh, or tonight uh, with me. Last night you actually drafted in the Pros versus Joe. It seems like you, 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 you like your team. I know that uh, the co-host that that we had on last night, Alex Blake. Uh, you know, former or current FFPC high stakes player, former pros versus Joe's uh, league champion. He and I both liked your squad. You had to like it too, right? Yeah, I was happy with how it turned out. I um, went into it wanting to start running back heavy. You know, I, I'm always willing to adjust on the fly if, you know, the draft breaks a different way than I expect, but wanted to load up on some running backs early, was able to do that. Um, started off with David Johnson, Devontae Freeman in the first two rounds, took Randall Cobb in the third, and then got Matt Forte in the fourth who I don't love this year but in the fourth round with the full PPR I'm I'm fine with the value there yeah we're going to get into uh to what you did with your squad last night as we uh unfold this draft tonight what Jared's referring to was the second 
of six episodes of the Pros vs. Joe's competition. That was last night. Tonight we have the third. This is the Blame It on the Rain, Millie Vanilli, Division Number 3 uh, draft tonight. We'll be covering for you for the next two hours. If you want to follow the live draft board, you can do so at youtube.com slash football. We have the live streaming draft board there. I apologize if it is a little blurry. My only advice to you is to uh, go full screen on it, and you should be able to see the team names as well as the player names there. Um, <clears throat> listen, we don't do anything unless we can half-ass it here on the HSFFR, and that's what we're doing, so that's why it's a little blurry. Uh, Shout-out to everybody in the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you guys might have in there. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFFR, at Eric Balkman. Jared is at SmolaDS, and, of course, DraftSharks is at DraftSharks. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football, or if you want to give us a call tonight, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Uh, We'll hopefully talk to some of the pros and Joes drafting tonight. uh, That's always exciting to get their input on how the draft is unfolding for them and the team's construction that they are building. So stay tuned for that Uh, over the next two hours. It's going to be a lot lot of fun. Email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you uh, have any questions for us, send those in to us now. Our producer mutual friend Rob and our audio engineer Bryce We'll still get those emails to us throughout the show uh, if we do get any. We tend, people tend to get so caught up in the action they don't email or tweet uh, on the show. Jared actually uh, live tweeted his draft last night. You can check that out on his Twitter feed. A lot of good stuff there of uh, what he was thinking for each pick. Uh, I also want to remind everybody before we get started tonight, yesterday I said was the deadline for the main event early draft slots, uh, which is going to be happening this weekend. If you get your team paid off, by tonight, uh, we extended it 24 hours, sort of, while we get everything sorted out. If you get your team paid off by tonight um, and, and get those uh, balances zeroed, you will get your early draft spot coming this weekend. You will know where you're drafting at the FFPC main event in Las Vegas at the Westgate Superbook coming up the week one, uh, week one of the NFL football season. That is going to be very exciting. So get those in right now at myffpc.com. Remember, you can also add another team for $1,500 too. Uh, we have online sats, Superflex sats, and Football Guys Players Championship drafts at myffpc.com as well. They start at $35. You don't have to be a high roller to play with us. Uh, we certainly have uh, entry fees going all the way up to $10,000, but the majority of our leagues are much, much less than that. Give us a, a shout-out at myffpc.com. Check it out. Uh, people want to know what's at stake tonight. Each one of these uh, players in this 12-team draft, uh, t- excuse me, a uh, 12-player draft, is going to have – Uh, the opportunity to play for the uh, 2017 FFPC main event entry. That is going to be going to the champion of each one of these six uh, leagues. So six of those will be awarded uh, tonight. Uh, We all know Jared won his last night with the baller team he put together, and he'll tell us all about it. But uh, going uh, going for uh, the $1,825 value uh, of that main event entry are the 12 competitors tonight, and then they'll be able to play for a $250,000 grand prize and a one8 million dollar prize pool next year i also should mention too we had jay berg in the uh uh uh, draft number two last night he uh, of course of protoblock and you can check out that website at protoblock.com he has a uh raffle on that website right now for an ffpc main event entry i said it was for 2017 it's actually for 2016 a little bit of uh, urgency uh so there's a time limit there make sure you get in and uh, sign up for that raffle try to win your way into the Las Vegas FFPC main event. How do you become a pro? Well, we, we, we check out the, uh, what, what's going on on the interwebs, who's writing what, who's keeping track of what, who's putting out what content. Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com uh, does the selection there, and he did a great job putting this entire competition together again. I want to thank him. 
uh, for that. That's uh, always great, all the work that he puts in. And if you want to become a Joe, all you need to do is get your main event deposit or main event team paid off by the early bird deadline the week after the NFL draft with the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And we draw 36 Joes, uh, 36 Joe names out of there. And uh, 36 of them get selected, and the, the rest uh, got to wait till next year. So that is how you become a Joe. Uh, all that uh, at the top of the show, I wanted to get that out of the way. We are now through uh, round one here, Jared, and I am going to go through this pick by pick and introduce all the players tonight. Uh, the Joes have the odd number slots. The pros have the even numbered slots. Uh, drafting first tonight is Ted Planka and uh, his uh, co-manager, Dan Holloman. Uh, they go with Antonio Brown at the 101. No real surprise there. Odell Beckham off the board to Matt Schaub, former co-host of the show and actually my uh, co-manager for my Scott Fishbowl team this year. Uh, he takes Odell Beckham with the second overall pick. Raymond Scannell, FFPC Joe, takes Julia, uh, Julio, Julio Jones at the 103. This is gonna, it's going to be a challenge tonight, people. This is the third night in a row I'm doing this, so I'm going to screw up. Shane Hallam from DraftTV.com takes Rob Gronkowski with his first pick. First tight end off the board. Once again, Gronk, and he goes at the 104 tonight. David Johnson is the 105 pick tonight. That's Jamie Joseph. Uh, FFPC and high stakes player. He takes David Johnson there. Actually, Jared, I believe you took David Johnson also at the 105 last night. I did, and I was actually just looking back in my draft to make sure, but the first six picks in this draft were the same exact as the first six picks in uh, my draft last night. Oh, so uh, this is not a misprint. This is this is official, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We 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 uh, we're not showing you the same board from last night. It's just uh, a matter of uh, of the draft, uh, the first half of the first round going that way. And of course, that sixth pick goes to Jeff Erickson of RotoWire. He takes Todd Gurley. Uh, then we see the back half of the first round receiver run: DeAndre Hopkins to Rashad Cobb, Jules McLean from FantasyFreakinFootball.com takes A.J. Green. Des Bryant goes to Craig Strang at the nine pick. J.J. Zacharyson from Number Fire takes Allen Robinson with the 10th overall selection. Kimra Schlisher, FFPC Joe, one of the best high-stakes players out there, gets Brandon Cooks at the 111, and rounding out the first round is, in fact, Adrian Peterson at the 112. So that is your first round. As Jared alluded to, not a lot of surprises here. Uh, we saw Hopkins go a little bit later uh, in uh, in the PBJ uh, draft so far. He goes at the 107 tonight. But a lot of receivers, Jared, going at the back end of the first round. And it's going to be interesting yeah. to see, as far as the team construction goes, of those teams picking in the second half of this first round, how many receivers they're pounding early because, uh, you know, of the, you know, the elite guys at the other positions, Gronkowski, David Johnson, Gurley, they're all off the board. Maybe we'll see more receivers going to that back half of the, uh, of the draft again, uh, teams 7 through 12. Yeah, and you know, just looking at those first rounders, Brandon Cooks is the one that stands out to me. Um, him going at number eleven overall. That's that's you know higher than I would take him, but he you know he also went um, he went thirteenth overall in my draft last night. So there's definitely some smart people that are high on him. Um, I just think his upside is capped a little bit just because there's so many weapons in New Orleans, and you know since Drew Brees and Sean Payton have been there, they they spread the ball around. You know, rarely. Does the guy exceed, you know, 120, 130 targets there? So I, that, you know, that has me thinking of Cooks as more of a lower end uh, wide receiver one. So that's, you know, that's probably a bit early for me at uh, number 11. And I'll say this about Kimra: she obviously uh, she knows what she's doing. Uh, I've seen, uh, I've drafted against her in at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship before. I've seen her drafts out at the FFPC in Vegas, and over the past, you know, whatever it's been, six or seven years. 
she's no stranger to taking Saints early. I, I've seen her take Jimmy Graham in a lot of drafts before. Uh, I've seen her take uh, Marcus Colston, uh, maybe not early, but uh, in a lot of drafts in his heyday as well. So if there's a Saint and he's going early and Kimra takes him, I'm usually pegging yeah. him uh, as a, as a uh, guy who's going to have a very good season. Uh, moving on to the second round, Ezekiel Elliott is uh, Jay Myers from Dynasty Football Warehouse's uh, pick there. So he goes running back, running back. Kimra follows up her Brandon Cook selection with Lamar Miller. Keenan Allen is J.J. Zacharyson's pick at the 203. So he goes Allen Robinson and Keenan Allen. There's a, a couple of receivers there who are uh, Robinson, who actually put up a career campaign last year, and then Keenan Allen, who was on pace to until, he, until his season was cut short. So he starts off with two elite receivers there. Jordan Reed gets pushed up to the 204 to Craig Strang tonight. So he follows up Des Bryant with Jordan Reed. And then three straight receivers, Brandon Marshall to Jules McLean, Mike Evans to Rashad Cobb, and Alshon Jeffrey to Jeff Erickson. Uh, then we see a lot of running backs go in the back half of the second round. Jamal Charles goes off the board uh, to Jamie Joseph, Le- uh, Le'Veon Bell to uh, DraftTV.com, Shane Hallam. Devontae Freeman is the uh, selection at the 210, uh, to, and that is, of course, to uh, Raymond Scannell. Um, Matt Schauff takes Mark Ingram with the 211, and rounding out the uh, second round is Amari Cooper, the sophomore receiver for the Oakland Raiders. He goes to Ted Planka and uh, Dan Holloman to round out the second round. Jared, uh, Devontae Freeman, I, I think you took him at the 209 uh, last night, or I, was it the 208? Uh, yeah, it would have been the 208. Yeah, um, so I started David and Devontae Freeman. Yeah, I was um, yeah, I was, I was down to Devontae Freeman and Jamal Charles um, going back and forth on those two. They're separated by, you know, less than five points in my projections right now. Um, just feel more comfortable with Freeman now. But, you know, at least for now, with Jamal Charles still coming after that torn ACL, I'd like to see him get on the field before for I'm comfy taking him. One of the uh, one of the or your first round selection that you had last night, David Johnson, you actually tweeted out that he was for this format the number two overall player on your board. You get him at five, but Jake Seeley on night one of the Pros versus Joes actually did take David Johnson second overall. What is it about David Johnson that has you very excited for him as a front half of the first round selection this year? Yeah, it's it's a combination of one his touchdown upside because of his size, power running ability, and just that. Cardinals offense, and then the pass catching ability. I mean, you know, he he already looks like one of the best pass catching running backs in the league. Love how Bruce Arians uses him, uses that pass pass catching ability. And I you know I, I don't see the Cardinals offense taking a step back this season as long as Carson Palmer stays healthy. So I I, I think Johnson, you can make an argument for you know four or five running backs being the number one running back, but I, I definitely think Johnson has an argument to be made. Um, and I, I think the the knock against him is that you know we only saw what you know five games of him as the lead back last year. So you know th- there's definitely more risk with him than some of these other early on running backs. But I, I I liked what I saw enough to you know roll the dice on him. The player that went at the uh, 210 tonight, Devontae Freeman, was actually your second round pick. So you start off with David Johnson and Devontae Freeman, and you talked about how you were excited to get 100-plus catches out of the running back position with your first yep. two picks. Was, was, was that something that you, strategy-wise, with this – I mean, this is obviously a 28-round best ball format, no in-season management, no waivers, anything like that. Um, but you look at starting off with David Johnson to Devontae Freeman. Was that sort of part of the strategy for you is to get two elite, you know, bell cowish type running backs uh, that are going to be catching a lot of passes this year? Yeah, so I mean, I I feel like 
there's not many people left that like to start running back heavy. I, I think I'm one of them still. And it's it's partly because wide receivers are getting pushed up the board so much. I think it's created value at running back. But but the other big thing is in these best ball leagues, um, I don't think zero running back really works because zero running back relies on the ability to you know, pick up those guys off the waiver wire that are going to, you know, bolster your running back group. Um, and here, you know, you're, you're stuck with the guys you have. So I, I think you're better off using those early round picks on the running backs who, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't necessarily safe compared to the wide receivers, but they're safer compared to the running backs that you're going to be, you know, taking in the middle and late round. So I, I'm definitely still on board with the, you know, early running back thing in best ball leagues. You know, I'm just looking at how the third round is, is sort of unfolding, and we're seeing a lot of receivers go here. Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman from the uh, first, uh, from the, uh, you know, the, the number one hole tonight, I believe they start off with the same three picks as the team uh, who had the number one pick uh, last night. I, and I think it was Antonio, uh, Antonio Brown, um, Amari Cooper, and T.Y. Hilton right away. So they start off with three straight yep. receivers there, and it's the same receivers. And I'm, I, I just, you know, I kind of brought this up on the show last night. It's pretty rare, Jared, that we see the team with the first overall pick starting off with three straight receivers, and that was uh, Scott Pianowski from, from Yahoo who, who started off uh, with the same three players last night. But it's pretty rare pretty- that we see team one start off with uh, three straight receivers, you know, when they have their pick of whatever running back they want, or even if they want to go Gronk number one overall. And, you know, you look at it now, we see it two nights in a row here, and this is a best ball format. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Planka and Holloman actually fill in those spaces uh, in with the, with the running backs that will be available now starting at the end of the fourth round. Yeah, it's definitely strange to see because that, late second round, early third round um, territory does seem you know, sort of like a sweet spot for that, you know, maybe second tier of running backs. You know, guys we saw go tonight, Jamal Charles, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy. There's, you know, some nice options there. So, um, yeah, definitely a surprise to see uh, two teams go three wide outs there. I, I'm guessing that was their strategy coming into the draft, to, you know, go wide receiver heavy to start. You look at the uh, the rest of the third round here as it is going. A lot of receivers going, as I alluded to earlier. Eddie Lacy actually is Matt Schaub's pick at the 302. Jordy Nelson goes to Raymond Scannell after that. Randall Cobb goes to uh, Shane Hallam uh, from Draft TV. Uh, so now he has a true rainbow draft going uh, tight end, running back, and receiver to start things off. Demarius Thomas is Jamie Joseph's selection at the 305. Jeff Erickson takes Sammy Watkins at the 306. Uh, Golden Tate goes to Rashad Cobb. At the 307, the pick after that is Miami Dolphins receiver Jarvis Landry to Jules McLean in fantasy freaking football. Uh, LaShawn McCoy goes to Craig Strang at the 309, followed by Jeremy Macklin to uh, J.J. Zacharyson and number fire. He uh, also starts off with three straight receivers. And then we see uh, Julian Edelman goes to uh, uh, Kimmer Schlischer uh, with the, uh, the second-to-last pick uh, of the third round, and it is on Jay Myers to complete the third round here. But as we look at this, uh, Jared, I-, I see a lot of receivers going in the third yep. round, and we see a lot of teams starting off with three straight receivers as well. Now, if you're in this type of draft where you have four teams now start off with three straight receivers, what are you doing uh, to sort of force the action to to have these guys take running backs at at, at your position right now? Um, I, I mean, are you are you drafting uh, more receivers just to, to scramble and try to get something here? Or 
are you actually forcing the action to try to take more running backs to force these guys into taking uh, and, and gals, I should say, uh, to taking uh, players other than wide receivers? Yeah, if I'm in this league right now, I'm, I'm loving it because, you know, I, I want to get those running backs early. Um, it looks like there's been 11 running backs taken in the first three rounds. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep keep scooping those running backs up that I feel really good about. There's I think there's about 14 or 15 running backs that I feel really strongly about that I'd like to, uh, you know, try to get as many of those guys as I can in the first four rounds. Um, and then, you know, the nice thing is, in the middle rounds, when I'm looking for wide receivers, a lot of these guys are going to be looking for those running backs. You know, it's it sort of both ways to be zigging when everyone else is zagging. That's interesting, too. We have we, Through three rounds, we have four teams with three receivers and only two teams, or excuse me, three teams with two running backs. That's bizarre, too. So we're really, really seeing the receivers being pushed up in tonight's draft. Um, I, I talk about, um, or I talked to, uh, you know, about Matt Schauff picking from the second hole uh, tonight. He uh, is your colleague, Jared, at, at DraftSharks.com, and you guys obviously will be two of the pros that people will have their eyes on throughout this contest, given the projection awards that you guys have won at DraftSharks uh, over the years. You talked about using your MVP board uh, for this draft to help you put together, a, a, again, what I feel is a very, very good squad and a squad that I believe is going to be competitive for the overall championship uh, throughout the uh, throughout the duration of the season. But give the listeners who maybe aren't Draft Shark subscribers uh, an idea of what kind of tools that you guys use that they'll have access to when they go to DraftSharks.com. Yeah, so the MVP board is huge. Um, you know, that's our value-based drafting tool. Um, you know, takes into account your league rules, your starting requirements. Um, you know, spits out customized rankings, and then. Um, it's also dynamic, meaning that it, it'll adjust rankings throughout the draft based on who you have, uh, you know, your team needs throughout the draft, and also ADP. So, you know, it, it's going to take into account whether, you know, this guy might be the top-ranked player available, but if he's not expected to go within the next couple of rounds, he'll get bumped down the suggested picks a little bit just because you can wait on him a little bit longer. So, MVP board is very powerful. I use it for every draft I do. Um, tends to work out well. Um, one of the other tools I wanted to talk about is actually a brand new one we just launched. It's a uh, mock draft trainer is what we what we decided to dub it. Um, so it, it's 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 a mock draft tool where you're drafting against the computer, but it's also going to give you uh, tips and advice kind of throughout your draft on you know one of the guys you're taking, when you're taking them, just you know how to how to maybe become a better drafter. Um, that's a free tool, so everyone can head over to Draft Sharks right now and check it out. And, and definitely go to DraftSharks.com after this draft. We want you to stick around to, to watch the duration oh, of this because it is it, it is going to be a, a lot of fun uh, as we move through the uh, fourth round here. We are up against our first break of the evening. Uh, when we come back, Jared and I are going to talk about the surprising picks that Jay Myers from Dynasty Football Warehouse just made at the 312 and the 401. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fourth round overall, and maybe we'll hear some from some drafters yet tonight here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We roll on right after this. The Fantasy Football Players Championship Pros versus Joe's number three draft. This is the Blame It on the Rain division. We are broadcasting it live here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. My name is Eric Balkman. I'm joined by DraftSharks.com senior editor Jared Smola. 
who uh, drafted in the pros versus Joe's last night, giving us his insight on uh, how this draft is going, how it compares with his. And uh, we'll uh, talk about some team construction in the second hour tonight. But right now I want to talk about the uh, the last two picks, or excuse me, the, the last pick of the third round and the first pick of the fourth round. This was to uh, Jay Myers from DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Uh, he, of course, having the 12th pick. He goes Devontae Parker and then Kevin White. So his number one and number two receivers, the guy's very unproven uh, in the NFL landscape. You have Devontae Parker, obviously, who came on uh, towards the end of the 2015 season. And then Kevin White, who missed his true rookie season last year uh, and will essentially be having his rookie season this year, did not play at all. What do you make of that strategy there after getting AP and Ezekiel Elliott, Jared? He goes uh, Devontae Parker and Kevin White. What do you think about those last two picks? Yeah, I like that start, first of all, with two running backs. Um, I think, you know, Peterson and Elliott are both nice values there. Um, and don't you know, don't have an issue with going after the guys you like. You know, he's obviously high on Parker and White. Um, would guess, and, you know, you can never be sure, but I'd guess both those guys would have still been there for him at his next two picks. I'm looking at some recent ADP data here, and uh, Parker's going 56 overall. So that is um, late fifth round. And Kevin White's, you know, down in the 70s, so you know, he, he's going more in the seventh round. So, you know, just um, – I, I can never argue with someone going after guys they like. I, I just feel like you can maximize value by maybe waiting until, the, you know, the 5-6 uh, turn and trying to snag both those guys there. We we talked to uh, Jay Berg uh, from ProtoBlock last night. Uh, of course, you can follow him on Twitter at JBNY. But he called in and talked about his start – I believe it was from the eighth spot. And he actually, I mean, he had no problem drafting Le'Veon Bell in the first round, and then he followed up with Jordan Reed and Greg Olson. So a guy that, uh, you know, and Jay dubbed his uh, strategy FADP, as it were, um, or FADIP, uh, he said that, uh, listen, he was just going to go out and get his guys. He was being very aggressive. He knows that the only, only the first-place finisher in this league will get uh, the, the the main event entry and second place doesn't get anything. So he was being very aggressive in getting his guys, and I, I feel like that's what we're seeing from Jay Myers here, uh, going with Devontae Parker, going with Kevin White. Um, maybe Parker's there, maybe he's not. And then Kevin White, again, is a guy that uh, you know could have a, a boffo season this year. So yep. uh, he goes Parker and White at the turn of the 3-4. We are not through the fourth round. I'll bring you up to date on that. Kimra Schlischer takes Greg Olson as her number one tight end at the 3-0-2, excuse me, at the 4-0-2. Dante mm-hmm. Moncrief is the fourth receiver taken by J.J. Zekerisen. Uh So he starts off with four receivers. From the 10 spot, Craig Strang follows that up with Doug Martin, and then Jules McLean takes C.J. Anderson as her number one running back in the fourth round. I really like that pick. Uh, Delaney Walker is the uh, first tight end for Rashad Cobb going at the uh, 406. Jordan Matthews goes to Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, and then Travis Kelsey is Jamie Joseph's selection, uh, the pick after that. Kelvin Benjamin is uh, Shane, uh, Shane Hallam's fourth-round pick in this draft, and then we see the first quarterback go off the board, uh, Raymond Scannell takes Aaron Rodgers at the 4:10. Michael Floyd goes at the 4:11 tonight, and Matt Forte goes at the 4:12 to round out the fourth round. Uh, Jared, I believe that Michael Floyd actually fell to you. I want to say in the mid fifth last night, and he goes a little bit earlier tonight. Uh, what do you think about the value with Floyd uh, here at the yeah. end of the fourth round? Yeah, I think as you can see, definitely a guy that the draft sharks crew is high on. I think he's a fine value um, in the late fourth round. I think he, you know, I, I was obviously very happy to get him at 505 last night. 
Um, big time talent. I think you know. I, I think we do see Larry Fitzgerald's role, you know, decline a bit this season. And I also love the fact that Michael Floyd's playing for a new contract this season. I think you know that's a little extra motivation. Maybe maybe he stays on the field through those you know minor injuries he's dealt with over the last couple seasons. And the reaction from the chat room is is coming in here at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/hsff. Uh, Lance Turvis, uh, sport betting man on Twitter, uh, chimed in. Wow, somebody finally I finally found somebody uh, who loves Devonte Parker more than I do. And I will be honest with you, I haven't seen Parker go in the third round yet, but he goes at the three twelve tonight. And then Henry Mudo uh, chimes in. Uh, so Kevin White goes round in round nine in pros versus Joe's one, and then goes at the first pick in the fourth round here. So definitely some wild fluctuation in ADP. And I would imagine when we do the three uh, shows next week and we do the uh, final three pros versus Joe's drafts, we're going to see some more fluctuation there. I want to get to the fifth round, but let's go ahead and get to the phone lines uh, here uh, to lead things off. You are on the air with Eric Balkman and Jared Smola on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Who is this? Jules. Jules McLean from Fantasy What's Freaking going Football. On, guys? Jules, it, it's great to hear from you. It's awesome uh, that uh, that you're calling in. We always love to hear from you. Uh, how is how do you personally, as we uh, you've just made your fifth round pick, how do you personally feel uh, your draft is going so far? I'm, I'm getting the guys I want. Nobody's really scooped me on my targets. I was I was really vacillating between Jarvis Landry and C.J. Anderson, and um, Lo and behold, I took Landry, and C.J. Anderson was uh, there for me in the fourth. So, to me, I kind of lucked out there. So, it's, I'd say it's going along swimmingly, but ask me in about ten rounds, and I could have a different answer. Yeah, we. I mean, I really like that C.J. Anderson pick, getting him in the fourth round. He could uh, definitely easily outperform that uh, that draft spot there. So, that is a fantastic pick for you. Talk a little bit about, Jules, your, your second-round pick in Brandon Marshall. You know, one of the – uh, big topics in, in the fantasy industry has been uh, how those Jets receivers will, uh, how their value will change, whether it's Geno Smith or Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Tell us what you believe, who, who will be the starting quarterback week one for the New York Jets. And even if uh, it's not who you expect, talk about how the value of Brandon Marshall uh, changes or doesn't change, depending upon who's throwing him the football. Well, obviously it changes a little bit if Geno Smith is um, hucking the ball to, them, to him, but I think Brandon Marshall is the type of receiver who will use his body, will go up, um, get the ball, run good routes. So even with an inaccurate Geno Smith, he's still going to put up points. Much rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, not even going to lie, but, you know, I'm a big Jets fan. I follow him pretty good. I'm okay if Smith is back there. I'm not okay if they throw some, like, second-year guy or some rookie back there. Then I do not like my second-round pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, let's talk strategy a little bit here, Jules, and, and team construction. When you go into the pros versus Joes or, or really any uh, 28-round draft experts, are you looking at having a, a, you know, starting off your draft with a certain number of players at a certain position, or are you literally just looking at best player available for the first four or five rounds and then building your team around that? I'm going for best player available. I mean, usually I like to push the wide receiver pedal, but if Gurley or Johnson were there at 1.8, I probably would have taken um, them over wide receiver, but they weren't. Adrian Peterson was there. I could have taken him and built around a wide receiver, but at that point, I liked a, you know I liked AJ Green a little bit better than Peterson. 
Uh, Jules, tell, uh, tell the listeners a, a little bit about uh, FantasyFreakinFootball.com, what you guys uh, have in store uh, for your subscribers and uh, the listeners to the podcast that you guys put out every single year. Uh, tell, us, uh, tell us what's in store for them for 2016. Well, I should have prepped you on that one, and I, and I did let Fantasy Mojo know. I, I think we're hanging up our cleats. So there's your big, you know, reveal. Wow. I know. Well, so so, so, so we're, we're actually breaking news here on the HSFF mm-hmm. Hour. I've this told is the some swan people song privately, and I've told Fantasy Mojo. So, okay. yeah, that All was right. a very well, hard enough. decision. What? I know that you- I know that you guys had you and, and, and Garrett Matheny who, who co-hosted the podcast with you. I know you guys had almost considered not doing 2015. And I got to tell you, when I listened to that podcast, it was just, I mean, the stuff that you guys would get into, you could tell that Garrett was always trying to keep it on, you know, cool uh, uh, when, when you had a, a cat or a dog, you know, jump on the computer or, or came by Garrett and, and he would, you know, the, the guy, he's, he's the epitome of, uh, of, uh, of, of keeping it cool under pressure. Uh, but you could tell he was, he was obviously frazzled. I really enjoyed the stories uh, that you guys told on that show that, you know, both the fantasy related ones and non-fantasy related ones. It, it's, it's, it's tough to see you go uh, fantasy freaking football to see you go, but hopefully uh, in, in this last year here, you could bring home the pros versus Joe's title. I hope so. And then maybe on to the, you know, the next ventures um, in some kind of expert format. So I'm asked back again, because this is literally one of my favorite drafts, this and the FFPC bare knuckles, two of my favorite drafts. Yeah, there's actually, I think there's, I want to say three spots left in the, in the bare knuckle draft that is going to be happening after the opening game uh, at the uh, Westgate Superbook uh, for week one of the NFL season. So if you want to take on Jules in that competition, that is, uh, it's always fun to watch. I always enjoy that where you literally cannot have any notes. You can't have, you know, any computers or anything. It is 28 rounds of bedlam. I mean, everything you have to know, you have to uh, draft guys uh, strictly based off memory, and it is uh, tough and challenging. But uh, I know Jules, you have uh, you've had no problem uh, making it through that uh, that draft in the past. Uh, you're coming up with a pick here in the sixth round. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking here? I'm thinking I need a RB two is what I'm thinking, and there's about three on the board that I like. I'll, I'll tell you what: if Craig hadn't have taken Eric Decker at six point four. I would have looked long and hard at him, even though I have Brandon Marshall. But he kind of did me a favor. It lets me take an RB2. I'm going to go with DeMarco Murray, who I think has a decent season, despite the rookie behind him. Uh, I think he has a decent season. I'll, I need, yeah, I just need a decent season from my RB2. I'm not asking for <laughs> wild 20-point-plus games. Just get me, you know, 13 to 15 a, a, a week. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, and, on, and I think DeMarco, he's, he's definitely capable of that. I, I think that you're getting some pretty good running back value here, and, and I think that's probably a product of, of so many uh, teams going uh, receiver early. You're, you're falling into uh, some running backs here, Jules. Uh, listen, we're all going to follow you on Twitter, at Red Rider. I certainly appreciate you calling in tonight, uh, giving us the lowdown. Sorry to see uh, uh, Fantasy Freaking Football go, but uh, – uh, we, we will definitely enjoy seeing you in Vegas and, and we'll definitely enjoy uh, you on Twitter as well. And good luck in all of your drafts this year, Jules. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the kind words. You bet. Jules McLean from Fantasy Freaking Football. Uh, very good stuff there. Follow her on Twitter at Red Rider. Jared, so now another competitor drops out of the space. You got to be going after Jules and say, hey, listen, 
send those subscribers <laughs> to Fantasy Freaking Football over to Draft Sharks. You know, we'll we'll yep. we'll work it out somehow. But uh, tough to see that go uh, because I, I did I definitely did enjoy the podcast. You and Matt Schauf actually also do another very enjoyable podcast, the Draft Sharks uh, Fantasy Football Podcast. Always good stuff on there. I can't wait to see you know as as we move closer to the season what insane you know bets you guys are going to be making wives and deeds to houses being put up uh it, that is going to be very exciting yeah i think we're already starting to build some uh some potential bets here there's a few guys we're disagreeing on so there those will definitely be coming down the pipeline for sure and if you want to know who those are definitely tune into the draft sharks podcast you can get that on draftsharks.com and on itunes as well let's talk about the fifth round here as we have made it yes we made it through the fourth round and let's talk about the fifth round we see a lot of tight ends going off the board this is the third straight night uh, where we're seeing a lot of tight ends go in the fifth round started off with uh, kobe fleener one of my favorite tight ends of course listeners to the hsff hour know that uh, I, I i simply cannot there's not words in the dictionary to describe how powerful of fantasy force he is going to be this year. He goes with the 501 to Ted Planka and Dan Holloman. Julius Thomas is the first tight end selected by Matt Schauf. He goes at the 502, followed by Carlos Hyde to Raymond Scannell, and uh, Shane Hallam then takes Duke Johnson. John Brown is the uh, receiver selected by Jamie Joseph, so that's his second Cardinal on the roster, David Johnson and John Brown. Giovanni Bernard is the second running back taken by Jeff Erickson. Uh, Rashad Cobb drafts his first running back in the fifth round. That's Thomas Rawls. Uh, Jules uh, takes uh, Zach Ertz, the tight end from the Philadelphia Eagles, at the 508. Deion Lewis goes to Craig Strang. And then uh, numberfire.com's J.J. Zacharyson takes Danny Woodhead uh, as his number one running back. And then a pair of tight ends complete the fifth round. Tyler Eifert and Ladarius Green. Uh, Eifert going to Kimra Schlisher as her second tight end and Ladarius Green to Jay Myers and uh, Dynasty Football Warehouse. Let's talk about the uh, the team that doubled up on tight ends, Jared. Olsen and yeah. Eifert. Now, the luxury that Kimra has here with getting Eifert in the fifth round, she doesn't have to worry about playing him as her uh, starting tight end for the first few weeks of the season if he does indeed right. miss games because she will have Greg Olsen. What do you make of Tyler Eifert going in the fifth round of these tight end premium drafts, the point and a half per catch for his uh, – Per receptions for tight ends. What do you make of Tyler Eifert as a late fifth round pick here? Yeah, I think it definitely makes sense there. I'm looking, I think he was the ninth tight end off the board, which probably, you know, is about where he should go. Um, yeah, and like you said, having Olsen there in the fourth, I think, makes Eifert even more valuable. I, I think he's obviously looking at some TD regression this season, but he also, um, if he's healthy, you should see a pretty healthy bump in targets after. You know, the Bengals lost both both Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu in free agency. So, yeah, I think Eifert in the fifth uh, makes sense. It's a nice pick. This is also the uh, the round of the pass-catching running backs tonight with uh, Duke Johnson, Giovanni Bernard, Deion Lewis, and Danny Woodhead all going off the board here in the fifth round. That's also in addition to Carlos Hyde and Thomas Rawls being selected. So a lot of running backs in this round, a lot of teams trying to take mm-hmm. care of that running back need that they have by drafting so many receivers early. Of those running backs here, uh, Jared, as, as you look in the fifth round, is there one that, that you think was a real steal here uh as far as value goes who's your favorite fifth round running back selection for these guys tonight and gals sorry yeah so yeah two guys stick out to me the first is carlos hyde and he's a guy that i still can't decide how i feel about him i I go back and forth almost every day and i I like the talent i like the fact that he's in 
a Triple Kelly offense is going to be a fast-paced offense. He's going to want to run the ball. Um, I don't like that Hyde has shown nothing as a pass catcher and is playing for a Niners team that's probably going to be really bad and playing from behind for much of the season. So going back and forth on him, but I do think in the fifth round he makes a lot of sense because I, I feel like he goes in the fourth usually. Um, the other guy, I, the other pick I really like is Gio Bernard. Um, Bernard's been a top 20 running back each of his first three seasons, seasons in the league. So, you know, that's, that's basically his floor. Then I think if we see Jeremy Hill struggle again, like he did last year, Bernard's, uh, ball carrying, you know, volume could grow. And if that happens, you know, I think he's capable of being a top 12 guy this year. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jeff Erickson uh, from Rotowire's team. He's the one who did take Giovanni Bernard in the fifth round. I have a lot of comments on his team. He's putting together quite the explosive squad. Uh, we'll get to that later on in, in the uh, second part of the show. Uh, we, again, have to take a break. I'm very sorry. I know we want to keep the action going, but we have to take a break right now. When Jared and I come back, we're going to talk about the sixth round, and Jared's favorite tight end actually gets selected in the sixth round. If you're a Draft Shark subscriber, uh, you know exactly who that is. Uh, we're going to talk about that right after this. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. This is the FFPC Pros vs. Joes. Blame it on the rain, division number three, with Eric Balkman and Jared Smola. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to the HSFF Hour. My name is Eric Balkman. His name is Jared Smola. He is the draft uh, senior uh, editor for DraftSharks.com. He is sitting in for the Dizzle Dave Gerzak tonight as we bring you live pick-by-pick coverage of the Pros versus Joes division number three. This is the Millie Vanilli, blame it on the rain division tonight. So very exciting stuff as we are now entering uh, the sixth round. Let's go through the sixth round here, Jared. We kick it off with Larry Fitzgerald um, going to Dynasty Football Warehouse's Jay Myers at the 601. Doug Baldwin falls all the way to the 602 tonight to Kimra Schlisher as her number three receiver. Matt Jones is the second running back drafted by J.J. Zekarisen, so he goes Woodhead and Matt Jones after starting off with four straight receivers. Eric Decker, as Jules McLean uh, so eloquently uh, said before, Eric Decker is the pick that goes right before her pick to Craig Strang. That's Craig's second receiver, DeMarco Murray. We heard Jules take live on air as her second running back. Latavius Murray is the second running back chosen by Rashad Cobb. And then uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire takes Tyler Lockett, a potential breakout receiver from uh, Seattle this year. Alan Hearns is the third receiver drafted by Jamie Joseph. And then D'Angelo Williams crawls uh, up to the late sixth round tonight to DraftTV.com's Shane Hallam. Gary Barnage, uh, the uh, 6'10 tonight. Jared has a lot to say about him to Raymond Scannell. And Frank Gore uh, is the second-to-last pick uh, by Matt Schauf in the sixth round, followed by Andrew Luck, the second quarterback off the board to Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman. You know I want to talk about Gary Barnage, Jared, and I'm actually going to surprise you uh, with what I say here. I was totally with you last year on Barnage. <laughs> I, I just, you know, he would have these boffo weeks, and I would continue to ignore and say, look, this is, this is an outlier. Um, this guy has never done anything. He's always been a blocking tight end in the NFL. And I was with you the whole way. And then I don't even know if I ever got on board with Barnage last year. I'm sure I did at some point because he just was crushing it. But it is, it's so bizarre. And I know you have dealt with this being uh, a, a fantasy football analyst for many years. When do you know when a breakout is for real and when do you know if it's just a flash in the in the pan? At what point do you start believing in uh, like these Gary Barnage type guys that break out and then seemingly start doing it every single week? It's so difficult to discern the difference. Yep, it is. And yeah, I, 
I try to acknowledge my weaknesses as a you know a fantasy analyst, and I think my biggest weakness is adjusting my thoughts on a guy during the season. And you know, the Barnage is the perfect example, a guy who was a complete no name or before last year, you know, he has a few big weeks. Um, then you know, all of a sudden are, are we supposed to believe he's the real deal? And you know, Barnage is an example of a guy who has a few big weeks and he keeps doing it in the rest of the season. There's also plenty of examples of guys who have a few big weeks and then completely disappear the rest of the way. So, you know, I, I think it comes down to an individual situation, looking at the player's talent. And Barnes is a guy who I think was always a talented pass catcher. You know, he, he had nice measurables coming out of college. Um, you know, he was just sort of buried, never got an opportunity early in his career. Um, so I think, you know, that being able to look at that and see that maybe might have been a hint that, you know, he was a guy that was going to kind of be the real deal the rest of the way. You look at the uh, sixth round, another pick that sticks out to me here, Jared, is Doug Baldwin going at the 602. I've seen him in the pros versus Joes. The first two drafts, he ended up going usually in the early to mid-fourth round. He actually slips a couple of rounds tonight. Really good value on Baldwin to Kimmer Schlisher at the yep. 602. Yeah, I think I think that he makes sense there. Um, you know, Definitely a guy who I don't expect to match last year's numbers or even really come close to last year's numbers. Um, you know, he's a guy that I feel like even even five years ago, people would have looked at last year's final fantasy ranking, seen him in the top 12, and, you know, he would have been a third-round pick. But I think, you know, uh, folks have gotten smart nowadays. You know, they they, they, they they know what they're doing. They factor in regression. They, they know that Seattle's still going to be a run-first offense. Um, Baldwin's probably going to lose some target share to Tyler Lockett. But I still think he's, you know, a guy who can flirt with wide receiver two numbers. So sixth round makes sense for him. If if somebody tells you, you know, one of your subscribers sends you an email or, or reaches out to you on Twitter and say that, look, they, they want to get Le'Veon Bell this year, is this – you see what Shane Hallam did from the four spot. He gets Le'Veon Bell yep. Um, yep. at the uh, – you, know, you know, towards the end of the second round. What round are you advising people to take D'Angelo Williams? Because Shane waited un, until, the, until uh, the, the late sixth round to grab Williams, and he gets the handcuffs, so he does have that Pittsburgh running game locked up with Bell and Williams. But do you think that's, that's the appropriate value for both those players at this point? Yeah, you know, I mean, if I'm giving you a, a rough estimate, I'd say, you know, maybe Bell, at least in my rankings, is more of a third-rounder. Williams might be more of a seventh-rounder. So, you know, he might have gone – around earlier than I would have on both guys, but I think locking down both increases the value of both guys. So I think, you know, what what he did, I think using a second rounder and a sixth rounder, I think he essentially locked up top five running back production for the entire season, and I think that's well worth a second and sixth rounder. We are through seven rounds here in the PBJ number three, Blame It on the Rain. I'll take you through the seventh round of what happened. Ryan Matthews uh, was selected with the first pick of the seventh round to Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman. He represents their number two running back drafted. Uh, Matt Chow from uh, DraftSharks.com decides to double up at tight end. He gets Antonio Gates at the 702. Uh, Raymond Scannell then takes Jonathan Stewart as his number three running back. The number three receiver drafted by Shane Hallam is Emmanuel Sanders behind Kelvin Benjamin and Randall Cobb. Uh, Jeremy Langford is the third running back drafted by Jamie Joseph. Uh, Jeremy Hill drafted by Jeff Erickson uh, at the 306. So he locks up that Bengals backfield of Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill. Michael Crabtree to Rashad Cobb right after that. And then Jules McLean from Fantasy Freakin' Football takes Willie Sneed. Cam Newton's slide ends all the way down at the 709. So Craig Strang 
gets the guy who was drafted as the number one quarterback in the last two drafts in the late seventh round. Good value there. Amir Abdullah is the third straight running back drafted by J.J. Zekarisen. So he starts off with four receivers and then goes three running backs. Goes with Amir Abdullah here in the seventh round. The uh, penultimate selection in the seventh round was Theo Riddick from the Detroit Lions. He goes to Kimra Schlisher and Melvin Gordon, a sophomore running back for the San Diego Chargers is Dynasty Football Warehouse's Jay Myers selection. So we're seeing a lot of running backs go in this round uh, here, Jared. Uh, you know, what do you make of Abdullah and Riddick going back-to-back? Do you think that's appropriate value there? I, I feel like they have been going in a lot of FFPC drafts and a lot of football guys' drafts. I feel like they've been going right around that same area. I've only seen Riddick get drafted over Abdullah a couple of times, but it seems like people are either getting one or the other and, you know, hoping that they're picking the right guy when, when you're talking about a PPR league like this. Yeah, I, I worry about Riddick a bit. You know, a guy who is so reliant on that fast catching stuff. You know, he, he did nothing on the ground last season. I'm not sure that's going to change this year. Um, and, you know, even today with the addition of Ancon Bolden, I think that's, you know, another guy who could take some of those short-range targets away from Theoretic. So he's a guy I haven't been drafting much. I like him the year Abdullah better, um, you know, still believe in his talent. He was he was quite a bit better last season after Jim Bob Cruder took over as offensive coordinator in Detroit. Got to take any chance I can to say Jim Bob Cruder on air. Um, so <laughs> Abdullah's a guy – Abdul's a guy I like in the seventh round. And the other guy I like here is, is Melvin Gordon. Um, I think he's he's someone who, if he's over that knee injury, I think he, he could turn into a value pick in the seventh, eighth-round range. Um, I think Ken Wisenhunt returning to San Diego should really boost that running game quite a bit. And, and they almost have to have better injury luck on the offensive line this season, which will also help Melvin Gordon. Uh, Jared, uh, tonight Willie Sneed went to Jules McLean, but he went on your team last night in the ninth round. Uh, New Orleans is a pass offense that has been very dominant uh, over the last half yep. decade, maybe even more than that, really, uh, with Drew Brees at the helm. But they're sort of in a transition period right now. Marcus Colston's gone. Jimmy Graham is gone. Uh, you have uh, uh, Brandon Cooks, who's obviously uh, the uh, el- elite talent in that offense. Uh, but you also have Michael Thomas. You have um, Kobe Fleener there now. But Willie Sneed, where does he factor into this New Orleans passing game? Is he the number two receiver? Is he a guy that is going to put up number two receiver numbers? I know you got him two rounds later than Jules did yeah. uh, last night. Uh, but Sneed, talk a little bit about what you expect to see from him in 2016. Yeah, I think he's a guy that's earned Drew Brees' trust, which I think is a it's a huge thing. So even even with the additions of, of Michael Thomas and Kobe Fleener, I do think those guys, you know, will will probably you know take some targets from Sneed. Maybe not so much Fleener. I think Fleener just basically takes takes over um, Ben Watson's role from a year ago and Jimmy Graham's role from from before that. Um, you know, Michael Thomas might turn into a bigger, more competition for targets than uh, Marcus Colson was last year. But I still think Sneed, you know, is, is a big part of that passing game, a passing game that, you know, has perennially been a top five passing game since Drew Brees and Sean Payton got there. Um, so I, I like Sneed as a nice a, a nice floor guy, you know, someone who, you know, should turn in a bunch of five-catch, 60-yard games, you know, throwing a few touchdowns here or there, someone who, you know, is just going to give you a nice wide receiver three-four. The eighth round has uh, just reached its completion here. Uh, We'll take you through it. A a lot of tight ends going off the board here in this round, led by Jason Witten 
at the 801. He is the second uh, tight end drafted uh, by Jay Myers tonight. Jay Ajayi is the third running back selected by Cameron Schlisher at the 802. A couple of tight ends go after that. J.J. Zacharyson takes Eric Ebron, and Jimmy Graham goes to Craig Strang. Uh, Drew Brees goes to the Willie Sneed owner in uh, Jules McLean at the 805. Justin Forsett and Arian Foster are uh, both running backs that are selected with the next two picks to Rashad Cobb and uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire, respectively. Dwayne Allen goes to Jamie Joseph, the pick after that. Torrey Smith, the number one receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, goes to Shane Hallam. And then Marvin Jones, the uh, new Detroit Lion this year. He is the number three receiver for Raymond Scannell's squad. Russell Wilson is the uh, quarterback drafted by Matt Schaup. That is his first signal caller selected tonight. And Sterling Shepard rounds out the eighth round uh, to Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman as their number four receiver. So they... Uh, you know, and, and we talked about this last night on the show, Jared, with Scott Pianowski. I felt like he did a very good job starting off with all those receivers right away. I think, believe he started off with four receivers and then Delaney Walker. Uh, tonight we see Ted Plonk and Dan Holloman from the same spot. They take three receivers early, but then they don't ignore the position. You know, Scott Pianowski mm-hmm. kind of stayed away from that. Uh, and didn't take another receiver to like, I, I want to say it was like the 13th or 14th round. But you get Sterling Shepard here uh, as their number four receiver. And I, and I actually like that pick uh, with the final pick of the eighth round. It's good value. And he's a guy that will, um, should, I mean, he should be able to, to start several weeks this year, even with Hilton, yeah. Cooper, and Brown in front of him. Yeah, de- definitely like Shepard more in a best ball league than in a standard league. Yeah, I, I do think he's obviously going to be the clear number two guy behind Odell Beckham, so I think he he's probably going to have some, you know, slow weeks where he doesn't do much, but I, I also think, you know, I love that Giants passing game in general, you know, I think, uh, you know, Eli Manning's a great value this season. Um, under Ben McAdoo, he's, he's been uh, a really solid fantasy quarterback, so I, there's there's going to be plenty of passing numbers to go around there. Shepard's a guy who, you know, sure, sure turn in a handful of starter weeks in, in, in these best ball formats. Since Arian Foster signed with the Dolphins, I think I've seen him go ahead of Ajayi in just about every draft, but that wasn't the case tonight. Kimra Schlisher had her pick of Dolphins running backs uh, at the 802. She actually took Ajayi over Foster. I don't know where you stand on on the Dolphins running back uh, situation between Ajayi and Foster, but Jared, how do you see that the, the fantasy production shaking out between those two guys this year? I haven't found anyone that's lower on Arian Foster than I am. I, I just I, I I don't see it. I think he he looked he he didn't look right last year, and you know that was before he tore his Achilles, which is a very very serious injury. Um, you know the guy's 30 years old now. Now he's you know trying to learn a new offense. I'm, I'm not I'm not optimistic about him. Um, still still like a guy. You know, I, I was a big fan of him coming out of Boise State. I think it's you know, clear that the Dolphins aren't sold on him. You know, they signed Arian Foster. They they drafted Kenny Drake. They tried to sign C.J. Anderson. So I think Ajayi definitely has to, you know, earn his way into a role. But I, I think he's capable of doing that. And I think, you know, in the eighth round, he makes a lot of sense. Eric Ebron was the uh, first tight end selected by J.J. Zacharyson. and he gets him at the 803 tonight. Ebron is a guy, Jared, that a lot of people expect a breakout. Uh, for him this year, uh, a guy that has underwhelmed since he was a top 10 uh, draft pick uh, in, in the NFL draft two years ago. What do you foresee as far as Ebron goes this year without Calvin Johnson? Is he the yeah. uh, a big beneficiary 
of all those targets that Matt Stafford is, is going to be able to distribute to uh, other lines in this offense right now? Or do you think not having Calvin Johnson is going to be a problem as far as defensive attention goes for Ebron this year? I like Ebron. I think there's, you know, there's enough, there's enough other weapons there where, you know, he's not going to have to worry about being the focal point of opposing defenses. Um, you know, he, he was still mediocre last year in fantasy, but he actually took a nice step forward in the second season as far as, you know, catch rate, yards per catch, key rate, all those, you know, secondary metrics. So I think he's definitely capable of a third-year breakout. Um, you know, Anquan Bolden's arrival has me, you know, at least reconsidering his, you know, spot in my rankings a bit. But, um, you know, in the eighth round, I think he was a nice pick there for J.J. We look at the uh, draft board as a whole as we are through he, uh, eight rounds here. And, uh, you know, obviously receiver was the big story tonight. This is the highest uh, we've seen receivers pushed up. But I want to talk about the tight ends because of this being a tight end premium format. And you look at uh, after eight rounds, we have, I believe, uh, you know, I just counted. And, and now, now of course, I, I lost count of how many tight ends uh, were off the board. I'm quickly counting in, and I believe it was 16 tight ends that are off the board by the end of the eighth round, and four teams had uh, doubled up on tight ends. Jared, in this format, what's your strategy as far as how many tight ends you want to have at a certain point, how many tight ends you want to have overall uh, because of this uh, scoring format? And once again, I should remind everybody, in the FFPC starting lineup, you start uh, quarterback, a kicker, a, a, a defense, a tight end, two running backs, two receivers, and then two flexes, which could be running backs, receivers, or tight ends. So you could start as many as four running backs. You could start as many as three tight ends. We haven't seen anybody draft the third tight end yet. Obviously, that's going to be coming. But w- what do you like to have as far as tight ends on your squad rostered at what point in the draft? I'd, I'd love to have three good ones, three reliable ones. My, I always – tend to wait too long on tight ends in these FFPC leagues. Um, you know, I, I was happy to get Julius Thomas in the sixth round last night, but then I, you know, I think I waited a bit too long for my second. There was a big tight end run in my draft last night in like the seventh or eighth round, so I ended up with um, Austin Stray and Jenkins in the tenth, which you know he he might be a big hit, but you know how he could you know be be cut. It sounds like so. You know, I think he's a he's a dice roll, but I think you know in in this in this format, I think having three guys who are at least their team's lead tight end is, is, is you know, uh, is definitely ideal because, you know, if you get a guy who's a lead tight end, he can catch five balls for 50 yards. You know, he, he's going to be starting for you in a best ball format. We haven't talked a whole lot about your uh, your draft from last night. You just mentioned, Jared, uh, the, the, t- the big tight end run that happened uh, sort of um, a, a third of the way through the draft or roughly right mm-hmm. after a third of the way through the draft. Was there anything else when you look at that, when you look back at the draft board after it was done, uh, th- were there any trends or anything that, that maybe caught you off guard or surprised you or something that you, you saw that you're like, boy, if these people – had hindsight, this never would have happened. What, was there anything that, that, uh, that stood out to you uh, as a whole in that draft last night in the PBJ number two? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the QBs dropped um, far, which I think we're seeing again tonight. And, um, you know, I, I've always been a way down a quarterback guy, and I, I still think it's a, it's a good strategy. But I also think, you know, this, this might be the year to pull the trigger on one of those elite top four guys, you know, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, if those guys are dropping into the seventh or eighth round, I mean, the the combination of safety and upside you're getting there, you know, you're you're not going to find that 
at running back or wide receiver or tight end in the seventh or eighth round. So I, I, I'm going to have an article coming on, on uh, draft sharks about, you know, th- this might be the year to maybe fuck the weight on a quarterback thing. Yeah, I should point out to everybody, too, the, the pros that are uh, invited to this competition uh, usually end up talking about it on their podcasts, writing about it on their websites, and anything uh, that gets put out, we'll actually put in the FFPC Insider email list, so you'll have a link to it. You'll have access to uh, to reading that if you so choose. Uh, so that'll be, I mean, if, if you're not signed up for the, for the newsletter at myffpc.com, make sure that you uh, check that out because we'll be putting uh, putting those links in there along with a lot of other great stuff uh, throughout the uh, duration of the summer, really year round. But the the good fantasy insider stuff uh, comes uh, comes now over the next thirty days, and we're going to have more fantasy insider stuff, including Josh Gordon goes off the board in the ninth round. We'll tell you at what point and who took him. Going to have a lot to say about that. This is uh, Eric Balkman and Jared Smola covering the pros versus Joes. Uh, number three draft tonight. This is Blame It on the Rain, and we're going to blame it on the break that we have to say goodbye to you right now. But we'll be back in a few minutes right here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. It is our number two of the HSFF Hour tonight. I'm Eric Balkman, your slightly above average host, and joining me tonight is senior editor from DraftSharks.com, Jared Smola, co-hosting uh, with me sitting in for the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. We are covering the pros versus Joes number three division. Blame it on the rain tonight. Uh, when we last left you, we were through eight rounds. Uh, we are going to take you through the ninth round. This is a 28-round best ball. The winner gets a 2017 FFPC main event entry valued at $1,825. Uh, very exciting stuff that we've seen so far in this draft. Jared alluded to the quarterbacks falling. I've alluded to the receivers really getting pushed up in the uh, first four rounds tonight. Here's how the ninth round shook out. Charles Sims went to Ted Planka and Dan Holloman. Josh Gordon. Goes off the board uh, three and a half rounds after he went uh, last night to Jay Berg. Actually, Jared's colleague, Matt Schauf from Draft Sharks, takes him as his number three receiver. Uh, TJ Yeldon is the 903 selection to uh, Raymond Scannell. Martellus Bennett is the second receiver, excuse me, second tight end taken by Shane Hallam. And actually, Shane Hallam now has two tight ends, both on the same team, both New England Patriots in Gronk and Bennett. Tavon Austin is the 905 selection tonight. He goes to Jamie Joseph's franchise. Uh, Zach Miller, the first tight end selected by Jeff Erickson. And following that, Rashad Cobb takes Rashad Jennings. Derrick Henry is the selection for Jules McClain at the 908. Travis Benjamin goes to Craig Strang, the pick after that. Uh, Numberfire.com's J.J. Zacharyson drafts Bilal Powell at the 910. Ben Roethlisberger makes an appearance as the sixth quarterback off the board to Cameron Schlisher. And then Doriel Green-Beckham rounds out the ninth round to Jay Myers in Dynasty Football Warehouse. Jared, the big pick in this round, I think that all eyes are on, is indeed Josh Gordon. Now, we looked at him in the PVJ number one on Sunday night. He went, I believe, in the 10th round. Then the news came out Monday that he will be reinstated and um, will serve a four-game suspension, and he goes to Jay Berg last night at the 5.08. Tonight he falls all the way to the 9.02. Now, do you feel that this is a more appropriate landing spot as far as value goes for Gordon, or do you think the news that came out today that he had a bad hammy and he's going to miss a few weeks, do you think that played a role into this drop for Gordon tonight? It might have, yeah. I I was even looking back to the third round, seeing Jordy Nelson drop to – 303 tonight. I think that probably has something to do with his, you know, trouble to the other knee, the opposite knee that he tore his ACL last season. Yeah, I think ninth round definitely makes sense for Gordon. I think a lot of the risk is mitigated at that point. 
Um, I think, you know, when he's on the field, he's going to be Cleveland's, you know, target leader. So I, I think that gives him a pretty safe wide receiver three floor. And we've seen the upside, you know, the guy – the guy led all wide receivers in uh, fantasy points per game back in 2013. So, you know, that, that potential is still there. And you're obviously not betting on that happening again this season, but at least that upside is there. So I think in the ninth round, he makes uh, a lot of sense. Let's talk about, I mean, you brought up the Jordy Nelson injury and, and we're talking about the Josh Gordon injury. Let's, let's talk about that for a little bit because it does appear that that news today uh, that Jordy Nelson would start off on the pup list because of the non-ACL knee uh, you know, having, I believe he called it a hiccup. So there's a hiccup to his knee. Who knew knees could hiccup? Uh, I learned that tonight. But Jordy Nelson and Josh Gordon, both dealing with injuries right now. To me, and feel free to disagree, I'm actually more concerned with the Gordon injury. The fact that he, you know, it is a soft tissue thing. He injures it right away, uh, you know, practicing yeah. with the Browns. And this is a guy who has not played football, competitive football since December of 2014. To me, Jordy Nelson, Everything's been positive. The Packers are kind of poo-pooing this injury, which, you know, may mean something. It may mean nothing. Uh, But the fact that it's his non-ACL knee, I'm actually less concerned with Jordy Nelson and more concerned with Gordon. I think I'm going to disagree with you here, actually. Um, I I think, for starters, from what I've read, it sounds like Gordon's injury happened, you know, a a few weeks to a month ago when he was working out on his own. Um, which, you know, isn't a major surprise. I think we see these guys come back from extended absences all the time and end up, and they end up suffering, uh, you know, those soft tissue injuries. So, um, you know, definitely not ideal. He, you know, needs to be on the field after, you know, essentially not playing for two years now. Um, but, you know, he also is, it has that four-game suspension. So he's not debuting until October anyway. So he does have some time to get healthy. Um, what I like with Gordon is that, you know, the NFL is letting him be with the team during training camp. He can play in the preseason if he's healthy. And he can also be with the team, um, you know, for team meetings and all that stuff during the season. So I think, you know, that that, that should help him get reacclimated to, you know, the NFL and his new team and his new offense. Um, Jordy Nelson, this, this other knee thing sort of has me worried. I think we've seen compensation these compensation injuries with other guys. Um, you know, I, I think back to, to uh, Victor Cruz, who I, I know, you know, Nelson's injury wasn't as serious, but, you know, Cruz had the uh, patellar tendon injury in his knee, and then he had the calf injury the following year to the opposite side. I think, you know, we, it's a similar story to Nelson here. Um, you're right that, you know, the, the Packers don't seem worried. Nelson doesn't seem worried. So I'm not moving him down my rankings yet, but, you know, he's definitely a guy who, he was going in the, you know, early to mid-second round um, in recent drafts, which, you know, felt too high to me to begin with. Um, I think, you know, it, in the early third, like you went tonight, that's, that's I think, a better spot for him based, based on the risk versus reward. And I won't, I won't back off my stance on, on what I think, what, what I, which injury I'm more concerned with. But I will say this to Jared's point, the other thing to keep in mind, Josh Gordon is, uh, what, seven years younger than Jordy Nelson? eight years younger. So I think that there's, you know, you have to factor an age into that uh, as well. Uh, When you talk about Jordy Wells, Nelson being a, you know, 30 plus year old receiver and, and uh, you know, Josh Gordon being 22, 23, whatever he is. So, uh, and and Nelson definitely on a more stringent timetable than Gordon Packers expecting Nelson in early September. And uh, Gordon essentially has another month beyond that to make sure he is in tip-top condition. Let's go through the 10th round here. Kicking things off was Chris Ivory to Jay Myers. 
Vance McDonald goes to Kimra Schlisher as her third tight end. So she is the first player tonight to draft three tight ends. Charles Clay is another tight end. He goes right after that to J.J. Zacharyson. And then we have three straight receivers go off the board. Craig Strang takes Kamar Aiken. Uh, Jules McClain takes Stephon Diggs. And Rashad Cobb takes Deshaun Jackson. Blake Bortles makes his appearance tonight in the mid sixth round, excuse me, mid tenth round to uh, Jeff Erickson at the ten oh seven. C.J. Proseis, Isaiah Crowell, and Tevin Coleman are the next three running backs drafted in succession by Jamie Joseph, Shane Hallam, and in uh, Raymond Scannell. And then rounding things out in the tenth round, Corey Coleman and Tom Brady. You look at this. Uh, selection of Tom Brady here, another guy who's missing four games of the season. This is uh, two straight nights, Jared. Uh, in last night's draft, I believe it was Rob yeah. Vieira took both Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Tonight, Ted Plonk and Dan Holloman draft Andrew Luck, then they draft Tom Brady. Talk a little bit about what you like or don't like about the strategy of getting both Luck and Brady in this format. Yeah, you know, I, I think as a pure value, Brady makes a lot of sense in the 10th round. Um, you know, you're going to get 12, 12 weeks out of him. And, you know, a, a good chunk of those figures to be, you know, quarterback one performances. Um, I think pairing him with luck though, I, I, I'm not sure I like that because I think, you know, luck's going to give you those, you know, good number of quarterback one performances. So I almost think, you know, you, you can't start both of them. I think there's going to be a lot of weeks where, you know, you're you're getting two strong quarterback performances, but one of those guys is going to be on your bench. So, um, you know, not not sure it's maximizing value to take, you know, Brady when you already have Andrew Luck. Yeah, you, I you know, I just I briefly read an email. Um, I, forgive me, Rob Vera, uh, for scanning this. I, I was going to read it later, but I did notice in here because you were picking next to him last night. He said you sniped yep. him uh, the first nine rounds, and you know, either taking the player that he had queued up or the next player in his queue, except for the Frank Gore selection that you made last night. So you and Rob Vieira apparently were one mind in uh, the PVJ number two. Yeah. And he definitely sniped me on CJ Anderson in the fourth round. I was really hoping Anderson make it to me. He made all the way um, up until one to pick ahead of me in the fourth. And then, and then I robbed up him. So he, he definitely got me there. Let's uh, go to the phone lines here once again and take a phone call. You are on the air with Eric Balkman and Jared Smola on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with right now? Hey, guys. It's Shane Hallam from DraftTV.com picking out that four spot today. Shane, it is, it's good to hear your voice again, man. It has been too long. Uh, you, you have a, a, a strong team, in my opinion, right now as we look at it. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, your strategy coming into this draft, knowing you had the four pick, you had the luxury of seeing two pros versus Joe's drafts uh, the previous two nights. Talk a little bit about what you were thinking at the 104. Well, I took a couple hours today to kind of prepare and go through those two drafts and kind of make my board. All right, here's guys that have generally been available, or maybe if I really want them, I'll take them around earlier than anyone has taken them. I had to throw that out the window by round two when Le'Veon Bell was sitting there. So that, that kind of changes everything when I was thinking of I'm going receiver in the second round and that changes. But, uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of pairings, which I don't usually do, of uh, players, same position, same team. Uh, so it'll probably either blow up in my face or it'll, uh, it'll be pretty good. You know, I'm, an, I'm a dynasty guy. I'm in three FFP dynasties. I'm actually drafting against uh, Jared in, in a redraft right now. We're doing a slow draft. Um, but this is something I, I can't say that I've done to have the Steelers running back pair, the Browns running back pair, and the Patriots tight end pair is, uh, is going to be interesting. 
Yeah, it's interesting yeah. because I think, well, you know, we, we've had Wayne Ellis, uh, of course, Colts fan uh, on this show many a time, and, and he's talked about, you know, when, when he sits down to a draft, he's looking for pockets uh, of fantasy production, uh, pockets like the Colts wide receivers, the Broncos running backs. And he's not afraid to double up or even triple up in, in certain uh, aspects there if he knows there is going to be production there. And I think that's really exemplified in a DE format. Shane, I, I feel like if this wasn't a best ball, you may have not, maybe not with the Steelers running backs, but maybe you weren't concentrating so much on locking up Patriots tight end production or even Browns running back to production. Did the DE aspect of this uh, format play into those decisions there? Uh, 50,000% yes. <laughs> There's no way I would have went with this strategy if it wasn't a DE format. You know, I, I, I don't know if Le'Veon Bell is going to be suspended for four games, it seems like it. I don't know if he's going to get hurt again. Um, so that's that is much easier in a DE when I can just grab his backup and I know the Steelers running backs are going to perform. So D'Angelo Williams, I took him too early. And, you know, I think Jared said probably both those Steelers running backs about around early. I agree. Uh, you know, I kind of had D'Angelo pegged for the seventh. Um, and then as the running backs are coming off the board, I just want to lock them up. So I think I'm going to get production there. Hugh Jackson's running backs. I mean, give them to me. You know, I don't care what team they're on. I'll take his running backs and get the fantasy production out of him. So, uh, you know, I think I think Wayne Ellis is one of the smartest minds in fantasy football, and these pockets of production, uh, hope, hopefully I've hit some that are going to hit big for me here. I'm actually with you on the Williams pick in the sixth round. I'm just looking at how the board fell. You had three teams behind you that had loaded up on receiver and, uh, you know, obviously we're probably going to be looking at running back, and each one of them did take a running back, so you never know. I mean, maybe D'Angelo uh, Williams would have made it to you in the seventh round. Maybe not. It's, 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 uh, it's not to me, it's, it's not worth the dice roll of not doing it, especially when you own Le'Veon Bell. I want to talk about your fourth-round pick in Kelvin Benjamin. He's a guy that we talked about on the HSFF Hour. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, while I am a Florida State fan, I've, I've questioned how he will be able to reintegrate into this offense coming off a Super Bowl appearance. Cam Newton obviously won the MVP without him. Devin Funches really came on at the end of December. And obviously Greg Olson, maybe not in his prime anymore, but still performing at an elite level as far as tight ends go. Talk a little bit about uh, what you see in Kelvin Benjamin and how he comes back uh, from that torn ACL to maybe surpass or even just equal his 2014 production. I really think for you to get a wide receiver one in an offense with as good a quarterback as Cam Newton, an offense that moves the ball and is as forward thinking as the Carolina Panthers, uh, it's kind of a no brainer to me um, as, as late as I got him in the fourth round, towards the end of the fourth round. So I'm not even the biggest Kelvin Benjamin fan as a player. I, I think he is a little bit too stiff. I think he has some problems. Um, but if you're Cam Newton, I mean, you're probably wiping your brow that this guy's back. Yeah, you, you were able to do it with with Ted Ginn and and uh, some some paper clips and some duct tape and put it together and, and get to the Super Bowl. But now that you actually have a player in the red zone, you have a player that that's going to command that number one coverage and can make plays. Uh, to, to me, that is that is tremendous. Shane, my friend, you are on the clock right now. Tell us a little bit about what you're thinking here. You have one quarterback, two tight ends, a bevy of running backs and receivers. Where are you going with this pick here in the 12th round? 
Well, I, I wanted a quarterback. I wanted Derek Carr or Jameis Winston, who went the two picks before me, which, you know, is always great, especially when you're on the air and I have it queued up and I'm ready. Um, so, so that always works out well. Um, no, I, I, you know, I'm going to take, take my second quarterback. Carson Palmer's health is a little bit iffy. I waited a little bit too long on QB. So I'm going to take Matt Ryan, who I think bounces back and has a pretty good year. And with the quarterbacks that are left, I think that's the best I can do and kind of lock up my QB2 here. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks go off the board. I think that Jared, Jared would say that the same thing happened last night with, with everybody waiting on quarterback. Everybody's making sure that they get their number one here, and the fact that you're getting your, uh, your second one, you're sort of ahead of the curve. Shane, we talked about DraftTV.com on this show many a time. One, I think the, the most attractive aspect of it is, uh, listen, it's 2016. We're Americans. We don't necessarily love to read, especially if we have to do it eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. But you sort of take care of that uh, problem uh, with your website. Tell the listeners uh, a little bit about DraftTV.com. Sure. I know a lot of fantasy football is about articles and, and written things. But uh, for me, I, I don't love to read, even though I'm a high school teacher. Um, I'll, I pass when I can. And I, I do video formats, audio formats like this podcast. That's kind of the basis of my site and, and uh, my fantasy coverage. So um, I haven't relaunched yet for this year because I, I was writing for about.com and, and I got fired in June. So um, so I'm kind of playing catch up. But uh, all was well and, and DraftTV.com com will be great and it's always a pleasure talking to you guys man I, I, I love coming on and calling in once a year and we'll, we'll have to do it again for for a real show sometime yeah absolutely you know I, I one of the things I've always and this is this is actually on me this is not you uh, but I've always wanted to get you on with our um, with our draft uh, you know dynasty coverage when when the NFL draft is rolling around I'm gonna I make I'm literally making a note into my Google calendar right now to make sure that we we have you on next year so we can talk a little bit about that uh, everybody follows you on Twitter at Shane P Hallam and of course you can follow draft TV on Twitter at draft TV and remember to check out drafttv.com Shane thanks for checking in we always appreciate uh, your patronage not only of the HSFF hour but also the FFPC good luck and all those dynasty leagues this year. Good luck in uh, all your other leagues, and especially in this pros versus Joe's draft. Thanks a lot for calling in tonight, man. Thanks, guys. Eric, Jared, you're, you're the bomb. Jared. <laughs> Shane Allen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what, what slow draft was he talking about, Jared, that, that he's in with you right now? I think he's talking about the uh, King of the Hill, which is uh, one of the ones Scott Fish runs. Oh, uh, Okay. All right. Well, interesting. So yep. I, I should have let you guys spar for a little bit here. Um, uh-huh. We do have another caller that, uh, and caller, I'm going to get to you shortly, but I do want to bring up uh, everybody else uh, up to speed on where we're at as far as uh, the draft goes. Let's take everybody through the 11th round. And Jared, I'll, I'll give you free reign to comment on whatever pick you want here. But Jordan Cameron leads things off with Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, goes to another Draft Sharks guy, this time to Matt Schauff tonight, Jared Smola last night, and uh, Matt Schauff takes ASJ tonight. Marcus Wheaton is the 11.03 pick, and then uh, Carson Palmer uh, to Shane Hallam, as we heard. Uh, Michael Thomas, the uh, rookie receiver from New Orleans, goes to Jamie Joseph. Kyle Rudolph is the second tight end taken by Jeff Erickson. And then Steve, the icon Smith to Rashad Cobb. Uh, Devontae Booker and James Starks follow after that to Jules McLean and Craig Strang, respectively. Laquan Treadwell goes more than a full round after Stephon Diggs, this time to J.J. Zacharyson of Number Fire. Eli Manning and Mike Wallace round out uh, the 11th round to Kimra Schlisher 
and uh, Jay Myers. You look at that uh, 11th round, Jared, are any picks, in, uh, any picks standing out to you as interesting selections there? Yeah, I think Carson Palmer was a great value for Shane to get him as his quarterback one, waiting until the 11th round. I think that's that's great value. Um, and Mike Wallace, I'm, I'm on board with Mike Wallace this season. I think he was a horrible fit in Miami and Minnesota the last two years, you know, with Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, neither guy is known for their deep ball ability. I think, you know, Joe Flacco, if he does one thing well, it's throw the deep ball. Um, and I'm also just a, you know, a big fan of Mark Trustman. I'd like to get, you know, I think that, that Ravens offense is one of the toughest ones to figure out now as far as both the running back and the wide receiver depth charts. It's going to be worth keeping a close eye on, though, because I think, you know, whoever does emerge as the starters there, those guys are going to have a lot of fantasy value in that Mark Trustman offense. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, you know, the fact that Kamar Aiken, Steve Smith, and Mike Wallace are all Ravens receivers, and essentially, you know, they, they all went within whatever it was, you know, 10 picks of each other. Uh, it just mm-hmm. speaks to uh, the, the effect that fantasy players, uh, high, even high-stakes fantasy players and, and, uh, and analysts, uh, really do not know how that Ravens offense is going to shake out this year. So that, that is uh, definitely very compelling. More compelling uh, is, uh, is what we have for you right after the break. We're going to get to round 12. We're going to get to our caller here coming up right after this. You're listening to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman and Jared Smola covering the FFPC Pros versus Joes. Stick around. We'll be right back. Blame It on the Rain was a fantastic song for Millie Vanilli back in the early 90s, late 80s. It's getting a little fuzzy for me. Uh, but it is also the name of the FFPC Pros versus Joes draft tonight. Hello, everybody. I'm Eric Balkman, Jared Smola, the uh, senior editor for DraftSharks.com, co-hosting with me tonight as we bring you pick-by-pick analysis tonight. And let's uh, go live uh, on the phone lines. We won't keep our caller waiting anymore. You are live on the, on the HSFF Hour with Eric Balkman and Jared Smola. Who are we speaking with? Hey, Eric. It's Rashad Cobb. How you doing? Hey, Rashad. Good to hear from you. Good to hear uh, you chiming in tonight. I- exciting for you. I believe this is your first uh, pros versus Joes experience. How do you feel as we are now in the 13th round? How do you feel it's going for you so far? Yeah, that's correct. This is my first uh, pros versus Joes. Uh, so far, an amazing experience. Uh, kind of pacing myself and kind of seeing where people are going and trying to be strategic with the picks. Um, so far, um, everything's kind of gone according to how I want it. But uh, obviously, still, still a lot of time to go, and uh, still trying to make some uh, some quality picks. You know, you start off uh, with uh, this draft with uh, three straight receivers, and then you really pound running backs midway. Hopkins, Evans, Tate uh, go off the board. Then you get an elite tight end and Walker, and then you really take care of the backfield situation. Rawls, Murray, Forsett, Rashad Jennings, uh, and then you had Buck Allen actually in the thirteenth to go with Forsett. Uh, with, this was the strategy going in for you. Um, I'm assuming if if this is the way that things are falling for you, why did you want to make sure you get those elite receivers right away, and then add uh, you know a fire a lot, essentially for lack of a better term, fire a lot of bullets at the running back position, drafting those uh, those four guys in the in the uh, in rounds five through nine. Yeah, well, as everyone's aware, uh, you know, those wide receivers go pretty quickly, and I kind of wanted to uh, basically lock up that position as soon as possible and uh, try and get value in the middle rounds with the RB spot. Um, Really actually wanted to go with a fourth wide receiver, but that particular person was taken off the board. was kind of looking at Jeremy Macklin there on the – the fourth round, but he was taken right before I picked. So, uh, but from there, Thomas Rawls is available, uh, and then also Latavius Murray coming back around. So, I kind of wanted to uh, to balance it out, 
And then to be able to get Michael Crabtree uh, after that, who I had ranked pretty high, was also uh, pretty pretty good uh, pretty good thing for me. So felt pretty good about that. And uh, now again, just looking at adding depth at wide receiver and running back as well, and following up with a backup tight end or two. Yeah, you um you only have one tight end, and obviously it is elite an elite one in in Delaney Walker right now. You you grab him at the uh, at the four oh six tonight. Um, when you look at building tight end depth, uh, the fact that tight ends get pushed up in the FFPC, um, you know, more so than, than a lot of other formats, were, were you targeting or, or hoping to get a, a tight end, a second tight end before the 12th or 13th round? Or was it just the fact that you're finding better value at running back and receiver that you're going to try to build um, that depth at tight end later on in this draft? Yeah, I definitely wanted to get a, a second tight end before the 12th round, uh, but I, I saw uh, some value there that I couldn't pass up on, some players I had ranked high. I uh, decided to push it back. I know there's still some players that are sitting at tight end that I also like. Uh, and, you know, I'm not really as concerned about that. Ideally, though, yeah, I definitely want to get a second and potentially a third tight end before that 12th round. But, like I said, value was there. had to go in a different direction, and uh, I'll see what I can do now to, uh, to make that up. Jared, I, I don't want to, to take up all of our guest time, but, you know, asking my inane questions. But do you have any questions for Rashad <laughs> Cobb drafting out of the seven hole tonight? Yeah, I mean, uh, how worried were you about that quarterback? But, I mean, you waited a long time. I think you did. I think you did well to get Kirk Cousins. He's yeah, a guy yeah. I really like. But you know, how how uh, were you were you yeah, planning to wait to arm that quarterback? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely a little concerned about that. There was definitely a quarterback run that happened there. Um, yep. was definitely a little, little nervous about that, but my guy did uh, did come up. Uh, I love Kirk. I love what they're going to be doing in that division, throwing a lot. Uh, so, I, you know, it, it ultimately worked out, but I also had a backup plan if he was taken as well. So, yeah, definitely a little bit concerned at that point. But, uh, again, it all seemed to kind of work out for me. Hey, Rashad, you're on the clock right now. Tell us who you're looking at here in the 14th round. Yeah, right now, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, again, that backup tight end is there. Um, you know, Will Ty is, is kind of staring at me there a little bit. I'm considering him. I'm also looking at Chris Johnson uh, and, and also Pierre Garcon. Um, you know, I was kind of looking at some some numbers here and looking at my team and seeing which direction I'm going to go in. Uh, but that backup tight end position is, is obviously very important, as are the other positions. But uh, I'm thinking what I'm going to do here is go ahead and go with uh, – with Will Ty, I've, I've heard a lot of good things, uh, you know, in, in camp so far about this individual. So, uh, Will Ty is going to be the selection. Will Ty, uh, sort of for the baseball fans out there, may have Wally pipped uh, Larry Donnell, who obviously uh, looked really good in uh, in his time with the New York Giants. He gets hurt. Will Ty steps in, performs really well with Eli Manning. Uh, so good pick there, my friend, uh, in this format in the 14th round. Rashad, it has uh, been a pleasure speaking with you tonight. I'm going to let you get back to the draft, but I believe you're going to be drafting. Are you drafting live uh, in Vegas this year for the main event? Yes, I will be. I will be there live. Uh, first time with the FFPC, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually from Vegas, so you know, travel won't be far for me to, to get to the Westgate, but I'm excited and uh, look forward to doing good things. Well, that's awesome, man. We'll look forward to uh, to seeing you out there. I wish you best of luck the rest of the way in this draft and in uh, your main event this year, man. Thanks a lot for calling in. All right, thanks a lot. Rashad Cobb, ladies and gentlemen, he's drafting from the uh, seven spot tonight. FFPC Joe participating in his first Pros vs. Joe's. First uh, FFPC main event this year, too, so that will be exciting for him uh, playing, uh, playing out in uh, Las Vegas 
on opening weekend of the NFL season. Okay, uh, we are falling behind a little bit on the rounds here. Let's get back to the 12th round and give our analysis here. Jared, a massive, massive quarterback run in this round. Yep. We'll kick things off here uh, with uh, Jay Myers taking Alfred Morris. Uh, Philip Rivers, the third quarterback drafted by Kimra Schlisher. She gets Rivers in the 12th round. LeGarrette Blunt right after that to J.J. Zecharyson. Uh, J.J., by the way, no quarterback through 12 rounds. And, of course, you can follow J.J. on Twitter at late round quarterback, or excuse me, late round QB. So no surprise there uh, that he has not selected one through 12 rounds. Uh, ben Watson, the uh, new Ravens tight end to Craig Strang. Matthew Stafford goes to Jules McLean. And then Rashad Cobb, uh, as uh, he mentioned to us on the air, Kirk Cousins is his selection in the 12th. Jameis Winston, Derek Carr go off right after that, as uh, Shane Hallam lamented to us, was hoping to get one of those guys. But he ends up with Matt Ryan uh, as his pick in the 12th round. Tony Romo completes that six-quarterback run. Uh, he goes to uh, Raymond Scannell's skinny roster. Kenneth Dixon over to uh, DraftSharks.com's Matt Schaup, and then Will Fuller, the final pick of the 12th round to Ted Plonka and Dan Holloman. Huge quarterback run, Jared, here in the 12th round. We, we kind of saw something similar to that in your draft last night. Yeah, you know, like I mentioned before, the quarterback's dropping, and then it gets to a point where everyone's like, yeah, i got to get my quarterback, and then the quarterback run starts. Um, you know, Phillip Rivers, you know, he – I guess he sort of started that run um, at 11:02. Loved him there. I think you know he, he's a guy who should really should be top ten again. You know that's still going to be a pass heavy offense. There's still lots of great weapons there. He's going to get Keenan Allen back healthy, um, and I think you know Travis Benjamin's a great addition, addition to that offense. And then uh, Rashad's pick of Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I like him a lot this year. Um, he's obviously not going to score another. I think it was five rushing TDs he had last year. That's not going to happen again. But, you know, he's got tons of weapons. You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson's back. Pierre Garçon's back. They add Josh Doxson. They still have Jordan Reed. And, you know, he's in the Jay Gruden offense. Jay Gruden did, you know, worked wonders for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati and is doing the same thing now in Washington. So I think Cousins is a guy who, you know, could even be a top 12 quarterback again this season. Um, you look at the 13th round here, as I'm, I'm looking over, we see some quarterbacks uh, go off this round, and this is actually two quarterbacks chosen this round were the uh, number one quarterbacks for two, the rosters that selected them. Uh, DeAndre Washington leads things off to Ted Planka and uh, Dan Holloman, followed by Vincent Jackson to Matt Schauf. Shane Vereen is the selection for Raymond Scannell, and then uh, three receivers, Devin Funches to Shane Hallam. Uh, Jamie Joseph takes Sammy Coates, and then Philip Dorsett goes to Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Uh, Buck Allen is the selection for Rashad Cobb in the 13th round. Clive Walford, the uh, Raiders tight end, goes to Jules McLean as her second tight end. And then uh, Andy Dalton to Craig String as his number two quarterback. But Tyrod Taylor is the pick after that to J.J. Zacharyson as his number one quarterback. Jordan Howard uh, to Kimra Schlisher at the 13-11 uh, pick, and then Joe Flacco rounding things off to Jay Myers from uh, Dynasty Football Warehouse there. I look at that um, that round, and, and while there were some interesting quarterback selections, what do you make of those three receivers, Jared, that were, were selected towards yeah. the middle of the 13th round? Funches, Coates, Dorsett. Uh, these players are all being selected in the 13th round of this format as potential breakouts. Funches already came on last year. Coates has the opportunity with no Bryant. And then Dorsett, obviously, with no Kobe Fleener there and the Colts running more three wide receiver sets. Uh, Dorsett expected to, get, uh, expected to get a lot more snaps this year than he did the previous year. Who's your favorite selection out of those three receivers? Philip Dorsett's the guy that's sitting highest in my rankings. You know, he's the guy 
the Colts spent a first-round pick on that guy, you know, when they already had T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief on the roster. So they are obviously very high on him. Um, that's a guy who I, I think is going to be more valuable in, in best ball leagues because, I, you know, as the third or maybe even fourth guy in line for targets there, he's going to have some down weeks. But in that Colts offense, I expect them to, you know, return to the top ten, top five in passing with a healthy Andrew Luck this season. So even as a third wide receiver, I think Dorsett is going to have some big games. And, you know, he, he's that type of receiver. I think, you know, he was compared to Deshaun Jackson quite a bit coming out of Miami as that, you know, smaller, deep threat guy. So, you know, that sort of lends itself to that boomer bust profile. 14th round is uh, now complete, just completed. Uh, and the two teams that we saw uh, wait until the t- 13th round to take their first quarterback actually doubled down and made sure they got a second one right away with quarterbacks uh, being snatched up uh, super fast right now. Ryan Tannehill is the 1401 selection. Uh, he goes to Jay Myers, who just took Jay Fla- uh, Joe Flacco. So he gets Flacco and Tannehill as his top two quarterbacks after waiting until the 13th round to take one. Uh, Chris Hogan is Cameron Schlisher's selection uh, in the 14th. And then Marcus Mariota is the uh, second quarterback drafted by uh, J.J. Zacharyson. Uh, he backs up Tyrod Taylor with Marcus Mariota in the 14th. Jarek McKinnon is the selection for Craig String. And then uh, Jules McLean takes Wendell Smallwood, the rookie running back from Philadelphia. We heard Rashad Cobb uh, call in with his pick uh, of Will Ty, the Giants' tight end, and then Jared Cook, the first Packers' tight end off the board tonight to Jeff Erickson, and that is his third tight end on his roster uh, through 14 rounds. Jay Cutler goes to Jamie Joseph right after that, followed by Darren Sproles, apparently the ageless Darren Sproles, the 67-year-old Darren Sproles, who still looks like he's about 25. <laughs> Sproles goes to uh, DraftTV.com's Shane Hallam. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes off the board to Raymond Scano, so uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually being drafted uh, ahead of uh, Geno Smith here tonight, so that's interesting. C.J. Spiller to Matt Schauf, and then the Denver Broncos defense. Uh, we we crack the uh, the Broncos, or excuse me, we crack the defense egg tonight with the Broncos being selected with the final pick of the 14th round to FFPC Joe's Ted Planka and Dan Holloman, who by the way were fantastic interviews on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Go back and uh, listen to that if you haven't. Uh, you can go on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, uh, Spreaker, Overcast FM. It's all on there. Check that out. Uh, so that's the 14th round, Jared. When we look at this, uh, this round here, um, let's talk about Matt Schaub's selection of C.J. Spiller because news came out today. I believe it was just a, a column. Uh, it's not really news. It's a column uh, from a beat writer, if I'm remembering correctly, and, and forgive me if I'm not, but a column that pontificated that C.J. Spiller's roster spot in, in New Orleans may not be entirely safe. I mean, he's the type of guy who might get cut, but in the 14th round, if he does make the team, potential lottery pick, if he is right this year, if he is healthy, uh, he could have a, a pretty big role in that backfield um, with that uh, high-powered New Orleans offense. Yeah, you know, the, the Saints uh, drafted Daniel Lasco. They returned Tim Hightower. They um, re-signed Traveris Cadet. So, you know, they have options. Um, so I... I sort of buy into the fact that Spiller's not a lock to make the roster. But, you know, I, I think I'll, it, it sounds like that knee truly was an issue for all of last season. Sean Payton said during the spring that Spiller looks noticeably different. You know, he looks healthier. Um, you know, th- that's a guy that was going in the fourth or fifth round of these drafts last year. Um, you know, he's still only 28 years old, I believe. 
Um, and he caught 30-something balls last year despite all those injuries and missing a few games. So I think, you know, in the third, in the in the fourteenth round, Matt got him in. You know, he he uh, could definitely pay off big time with that price. We uh, we're almost complete in the fifteenth round here, so let's take everybody through that. Actually, let's not take everybody through it entirely. I'm going to stop at the third pick of the fifteenth round. And we're going to talk about that. Stephen Guskowski is the uh, first kicker drafted. So Planka and Holloman get not only the number one uh, or their, the top selection of defense, they get the top selection at kicker uh, in the 14-15 uh, turn. Robert Griffin uh, goes to Matt Schauf as his second quarterback in this format. And then let's stop at Richard Rodgers going to uh, Raymond Scannell at the uh, uh, 1503. This is a pick uh, who – I mean, Rodgers could be the starter there this year. He certainly was in Green Bay mm-hmm. last year, but all the news is on, uh, you know, the ballyhooment of Jared Cook. Uh, Mike McCarthy was very excited uh, to uh, to bring Jared Cook aboard and what he he's going to mean for that Packers offense this year. Uh, tonight, these players go, what, nine picks apart, eight picks apart? Closest I've seen them in a while. Usually it, it seems like they're, they're spread apart and not always um, – you know, in the same order. Sometimes Rodgers goes ahead of Cook. Sometimes Cook goes ahead of Rodgers. Jared, are you targeting, in this format, would you be targeting a Packers tight end, one of these guys, or are you staying away from that situation? Man, Cook, Cook's burned us so many times. You know, he's he's a tough guy to get back on board with, but, you know, he, he, he he's never been in a in a good situation. And this, you know, obviously is a good situation with the Packers. Um I think Richard Rodgers is, you know, pretty mediocre. Um, you know, he, he's sure-handed, but he doesn't offer much big playability. Um, you know, Jared Cook's got to get healthy, which, you know, is it, a big deal for a guy trying to learn a new offense, you know, getting on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. But if he can, you know, I, I think, you know, this could this could, this could could finally be the year where, you know, Jared Cook is finally what, what you know, we always thought he could be. So uh, he, he's a guy at this point, and I think the fourth round, the 14th round, sorry, is uh, where he makes sense. And if I'm going to take a Packers tight end in this territory, I'm going to gamble on the upside of Jared Cook. Yeah, uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire is the guy who took Jared Cook. He's really cornering the market on NFC North tight ends, getting Miller, Rudolph, uh, and Cook. Back in the days when when uh, the bye weeks were uh, separated by division, you would be having a problem at tight end uh, if uh, if the NFC North was on bye that week. Such is not the case anymore. Uh, completing the 15th round here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brock Osweiler, the third quarterback drafted by Shane Hallam at the 1504. Then Chris Johnson to Jamie Joseph, Alex Smith, and Teddy Bridgewater. A couple of quarterbacks go off the board to Jeff Erickson and Rashad Cobb. Darren McFadden, the Cowboys running back, goes to Jules McLean. Rashad Perriman to Craig Strang. So Perriman, another Ravens receiver, is uh, out of the free agent pool and onto a roster. Spencer Ware, uh, the backup running back in Kansas City to J.J. Zacharyson. Josh Ferguson, the potential uh, backup running back in Indianapolis to Cameron Schlisher. And Nelson Aguilar to uh, Dynasty Football Warehouse. So that is your 15th round. Jared, I don't have a whole lot of, of analysis specifically on this 15th round. Maybe the one thing we could talk about is that backup running back situation in Indianapolis. Everybody seems to be waiting for Frank Gore essentially just to collapse on the field of old age and uh, you know having to go to the sideline for some prune juice and a, and a closer look at his Social Security check. But I think that, that, that this is an interesting aspect to look at because whoever steps in, if Gore does indeed go down, they're going to be an elite offense playing behind 
Luck and Hilton and Allen and Moncrief and Dorsett. I mean, this is this yeah. is an enviable position to be in for a fantasy running back. Is Ferguson the guy for you right now if you're looking at Colts running backs uh, behind Gore? Yeah, I mean, I think Ferguson might end up being the guy by default. You know, his competition is Robert Turbin, who I think has proven to be pretty average, you know, through his first handful of NFL seasons. Uh, Ferguson surprisingly went undrafted, but there was a story, I think it was from the Indy Star uh, a month or two ago, about how, you know, the Colts had a fourth-round grade on this guy. They were you know, considering taking him as early as the fourth round um, and ended up getting him one of the bigger – undrafted free agent contracts that were handed out uh, after the draft. So, you know, it's obviously – he's obviously got a culture high on, and it sounds like he had a good spring. So, and despite being undrafted, I, I do think he has a really good shot of, you know, emerging as that number two running back behind Frank Gore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've been uh, talking about each pick uh, tonight. We've been covering this draft pick by pick. Let's talk a little bit about team construction. We're going to do that right after these messages. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Jared Smola. This is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We're covering the FFPC Pros versus Joes. We're going to start looking at some team construction in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Welcome back for the final segment of the Pros versus Joes number three draft tonight. This is the Blame It on the Rain division. I'm Eric Balkman, joined by Jared Smola, the senior editor from DraftSharks.com. As a reminder, we will be doing three more of these next week. So you'll have three more uh, drafts uh, of the Pros versus Joes live coverage next week. And actually, now that I think of it, uh, our Friday, normal Friday show, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, normally airs 10-9 Central on blogtalkradio.com slash HSFF. Uh, you can uh, stream it on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio uh, later on, Spreaker later on. Uh, but our show next week, August 5th, is a live Football Guys Players Championship draft. So we're going to actually be broadcasting four drafts for you live next week. It is going to be a blast. Uh, so definitely uh, you know, follow us on Twitter at HSFFR. We'll keep you posted on all the analysis and uh, when our next shows are coming up there. So, Jared, let's kick things off here and look at uh, what uh, each team did tonight. And we'll just make a few comments on each squad. We uh, have we start off with Ted Planka and Dan Holloman from the one spot. The quarterbacks they draft are Andrew Luck. And once again, by the way, we're through 17 or through 16 rounds. Uh, there's another 12 rounds to go. So these teams uh, definitely have more uh, bullets in the chamber in order to uh, fire to get a uh, main event FFPC main event entry uh, at the end of the season. So there's plenty of time to go. Uh, but this is about roughly the midway point. So Andrew Luck and Tom Brady to Planka and Holloman at quarterback. The running backs, Matt Forte, Ryan Matthews, Charles Sims, DeAndre Washington, Keith Marshall. Receivers, Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Sterling Shepard, Will Fuller. And then the tight ends, Kobe Fleener, Jordan Cameron, and Jeff. I, I, I always screw this up. Is it Hoyerman from Denver, Jared? I pronounce it Hoyerman, but I could definitely be wrong. Ironman. Okay. Okay. Well, whatever it is, that guy yep. is their third tight end uh, from Denver. They also have Steven Goskowski in the Denver Broncos defense. Jared, I like this squad. I think it's pretty well balanced. Yeah. It's not really spectacular at any position, but you don't necessarily have to be spectacular in a DE format. I think they're dominant at quarterback for what it's worth. And I don't think they have any glaring weaknesses. Obviously they do need to build some depth, but this is a team I could get behind. Yeah, it just seemed quite a bit. And obviously, you know, probably the best quarterback duo in this league with Andrew Luck and Tom Brady. Um, you know, started with three wide receivers, so strong there. And I like the running backs they ended up with. You know, I think Matt Forte should catch a bunch of balls in New York. 
Um, Ryan Matthews, I think, is being underrated. He was really good last season as, you know, the number two guy behind DeMarco Murray. Should be the lead ball carrier there this season for, I think, what will be a run-heavy offense in Philadelphia. And then got Charles Sims in the ninth round, who I think, you know, at minimum gives you a running back three floor because of the pass-catching ability. And if Doug Martin goes down, I think Charles Sims becomes an RB1. All right, you've been waiting for this uh, all night, uh, Jared. Let's <laughs> fricassee your uh, your colleagues' team here, Matt Schaub from DraftSharks.com, uh, Russell Wilson and Robert Griffin at quarterback, Mark Ingram, Eddie Lacy, Frank Gore, Kenneth Dixon, C.J. Spiller at running back. Uh, receivers are Odell Beckham, Michael Floyd, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Vincent Jackson, Terrence Williams, tight ends Julius Thomas, Antonio Gates, Austin Saperian Jenkins, and Hunter Henry. Love the tight ends uh, on this team. Uh, I think yep. uh, the, the running backs are, are also excellent. Uh, the receiver depth isn't necessarily the greatest. I mean, obviously, Gordon and Coleman are going to have to pull some weight at, at, the, uh, at the third position here. And Vincent Jackson, um, you know, we don't know how well he's going to bounce back uh, this year. You know, he's, he's another year older. Um, I don't know if I said the tight ends are awesome as well. So th- this is, again, a very, uh, a very, very good roster. Russell Wilson's going to have to come yeah. through more often than not. And Gordon and Coleman are going to have to come through. But uh, if they do, this team should be in competition for uh, that main event entry. Yeah, I'd expect Matt to really pound wide receivers the rest of the way here after only taking two in the first eight rounds, which is you know, sort of the strategy I employ, you know, sort of going with quantity over quality at wide receiver, which I think can work in these best ball formats. Um I'm happy, though, because Matt took Michael Floyd, Julius Thomas, and Frank Gore. He took all those guys one round ahead of where where I took them last night. So, you know, based on that, I should definitely beat Matt in this league this year. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, far be it for me to not not allow somebody to defend themselves on the airwaves. So (laughs) let's go to the uh, the phone lines right now. And just I, I just have a sneaking suspicion that this caller is going to defend uh, the strength of the number two team tonight. Caller, who is this? Well, I, I thought about having one of my kids uh, call in for me, but they finally went to bed, so I got the job. And we hit a commercial break in The Bachelorette. Matt, I, I can't believe this. Matt Schauf, by the way, from DraftSharks.com joining us. How are your kids not going to bed? It's like almost midnight there. No, I, I, that that's a joke. They've been asleep for a while, but it was after oh, 10 o'clock. God. We had soccer and then I, an ice cream party. I don't know who schedules an ice cream party after a 7 o'clock soccer game, but whatever. Then, then you know, kids. So they're well, gone we, we, now. We, de- <laughs> we, we definitely, uh, you know, despite all the hullabaloo going on in, in Rochester, you, uh, you, you put together a pretty strong team tonight, man. Well, thank you. I mean – yeah, it's it's always tough drafting in one of these. You know, especially with the FFPC format, we've got tight ends getting pushed up the board. I don't play enough of these, to be honest, to be totally comfy with where to take these guys. Julius Thomas popped up on the MVP board where I took him. I like him there. Um, some other things have fallen my way. I was shocked to see Terrence Williams there at my last turn. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, we'll see if my quarterbacks hold up. I think in a league like this, you have to know that some position is going to leave you feeling less than comfy when you finish, but I plan on sticking several more wide receivers in there who will give me a few weeks and kind of fill in without looking good going in. 
Yeah, I mean, I just I look at the way that you built the squad too, and and I think that uh, this is something that Jared echoed with his draft is getting those stud running backs early, and you get uh, Ingram and Lacey, and and you know really built the tight end depth uh, after that, uh, and, and then get, getting the Gordon uh, Coleman combo. Uh, if they're able to come through with Robert Griffin throwing to them this year, especially if Gordon is able to come close to what he did, um, you know, in in that banner, I think it was 2013 season, I mean, you could really, really be looking like a, a strong team here. And uh, and Russell Wilson obviously is is an MVP candidate. So I, I think you look at this roster from from top to bottom, and and you have another 11 rounds to screw it up. So don't do that. Uh, but seriously, I, this this is looking good right now with that tight end depth, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I, I was hoping that I was going to get a, a sturdier quarterback than Griffin coming back to me, but I'm okay with him there. Uh, I kind of misread the, the quarterback run. But, I mean, there's time to add another one of those 28-player rosters, so I think there's room to add a little bit more depth, get some more value there. And I kept hearing, you know, Jared will understand this, I kept hearing Jason Phelps in my head um, with the stacking, with his research in both, um, MFL 10 leagues and DFS and, and talking about how stacking can help your roster. And, you know, I was happy to see Corey Coleman last so I could stack him with Josh Gordon and get those first four weeks and get whoever remains the number one wide receiver. Um, you know, Griffin was a nice fit to go with those guys there. Cleveland's not exactly an offense to target, but, you know, the weeks where they're good, I'll be in pretty good shape. And, hey, man, I, I'm just thinking about this right now. I'm hoping by the end of the season you can put on your Twitter profile, who we follow, we follow you on Twitter at ShelfDS, uh, you can put on your Twitter profile, 2016 Pros versus Joes overall champion, but right above that, 2016 Scott Fishbowl overall champion. I would love to see it. Uh, yeah, I would love to put as many titles in there as possible. <laughs> well, listen, you, you, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that Scott Fishbowl team uh, straightened out as the season goes on. You, uh, I'm going to let you get back to drafting here, and uh, I don't want you to hang out on the phone and, and wake up your kids, especially with as sugared up as they are from that ice cream. But thanks a lot for calling in tonight, and thank you for all your uh, co-hosting uh, that you've done with the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour uh, in the past and your work with the Small Businesses of Fantasy Sports Trade Association. Much appreciated, my friend. Good luck the rest of the way. Hey, man, that's what I'm here for, to talk to people whenever they listen to me. So thanks for having me tonight, guys. <laughs> Matt Schauf, I, I, it's fantastic, Jared. You guys, uh, you have an interesting dynamic on that podcast, too. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a character, and he always keeps me guessing, for sure. <laughs> that's what you want. All right, we got uh, 10 teams to fly through and not a whole lot of time to do it. We might go a couple of minutes over tonight, and I apologize for anybody listening to the live stream. You can stream it later on any of the uh, outlets that uh, we do- that you can uh, download the show from. But let's uh, talk about the rest of the teams here. Go to Raymond Scannell's team at, at, uh, at the third spot tonight. Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Devontae Freeman, Carlos Hyde, Jonathan Stewart, TJ Yeldon, Tevin Coleman, Shane Vereen, Carlos Williams at running back, Julio Jones, Jordy Nelson, Marvin Jones, Marcus Wheaton, Mohamed Sanu, Kendall Wright at receiver. Uh, the tight end is Gary Barnage and Richard Rodgers. So I look at this squad, Jared, love the quarterbacks, love the running backs. Receiver depth, I tend to kind of look past a little bit because of the best ball format, uh, but certainly yep. there's some questions there. But I think the biggest problem is the tight ends on this roster. Yeah, it's definitely a little scary. Uh, the, the thing I noticed about this roster, and Matt just mentioned it, is the you know the stacking aspect, sort of loading up on uh, a single offense. He did that 
with both the Falcons and the Packers. He has uh, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, and Tevin Coleman from Atlanta. And then he has Jordy Nelson, Aaron Rodgers, and Richard Rodgers from the Packers. And I think you know those are two good offenses to you know stack. We talked to with uh, Shane Hallam earlier from uh, DraftTV.com. His roster: Carson Palmer, Matt Ryan, Brock Osweiler, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Duke Johnson, D'Angelo Williams, Isaiah Kroll, Darren Sproles. Uh, uh, yeah, excuse me. Receivers: Randall Cobb, Kelvin Benjamin, Emmanuel Sanders, Torrey Smith, Devin Funches, Anquan Bolden he goes in the 16th round after signing with Detroit. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett, Jace Amaro, and the Rams defense thus far. Uh, I like this team too. I'm, I think that these first four teams are, are all very good. They're very balanced, um, with maybe with the exception of, of Raymond Scannell's tight end situation. But you look at Shane's roster here. Uh, if Jason Morrow is able to come through, if um, if Darren Sproles can scrape up another year of production, I, I think that this team could be in business as well because the top end of the receivers yeah. and running backs, especially the tight ends on this roster, are very good. Yeah, another team that, you know, did some stacking with Le'Veon Bell, DeAndre Williams. Like I mentioned, I think that's, you know, top five RB production. Uh, Gronkowski and Martellus Bennett, I, I, I feel like, He's almost guaranteed a, uh, a, a touchdown from his tight end position with having those two guys. And then um, getting Duke Johnson and Isaiah Corral, I think that makes a lot of sense because you look at Cleveland, you know, if they're in a game where they're playing from behind, which, you know, probably will be most of their games this season, you're going to have Duke Johnson catching a lot of balls. And if they're ever playing from, behind, from uh, you know, with the lead, you're going to have Isaiah Crowell kind of, you know, carrying the load in those games. So I think he should get. Nice production from that duo each week. FFPC Joe Jamie Joseph roster from the five spot. Derek Carr, Jay Cutler, Mark Sanchez at quarterback. David Johnson, Jamal Charles, Jeremy Lankford, CJ Procise, Chris Johnson, and Zach Zenner. Receivers are Demarius Thomas, John Brown, Alan Hearns, Tavon Austin, Mike, uh, Michael Thomas, Sammy Coates, uh, Jeff Janis, Travis Kelsey, Dwayne Allen, and Austin Hooper are the tight ends. Another super balanced roster, Jared. I don't have much to say for this that I haven't said for the first four teams. Uh, if I had one question mark, it's maybe the um, receiver depth. I mean, the, he doesn't really have a, a super solid number three, but Alan Hearns uh, obviously yeah. could be a top 35 receiver pretty easily this year. Uh, and then you get Austin and, and Thomas sort of wild cards, or excuse me, um, Thomas and Coates sort of wild cards behind that. And maybe with the emergence of Tavon Austin, that's enough for this team. Uh, to be in the conversation for a top two or three finish at the end of the season. Yeah, I like Hearns quite a bit. I mean, he he's not going to score. He's probably not going to score a ton of touchdowns again this season, but his other numbers could definitely rise. You know, both he and his quarterback are entering their third season, should be, you know, still on, on the on the rise. So I like Hearns. And then, and, you know, guys like Michael Thomas, Sammy Coates, and Jeff Janis, you know, that's, those guys are his, what, his fourth, fifth, and sixth wide receivers. There, there's lots of upside there. So I think he's going to be just fine at uh, wide receiver. Quarterback would be my bigger concern if he waited until the 12th round. But he landed Derek Carr, Jay Cutler, and then he you know, took Mark Sanchez. He could give him a few games. So he, he should at least be able to cobble together some quarterback production. And maybe get Paxton Lynch later or or, uh, or somebody like that, and, and uh, right. he should be fine. Uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotoviz, uh, excuse me, Rotoviz, rotowire.com is Jeff Erickson. He uh, ends up doing a lot of stacking here with running backs and receivers early and then quarterbacks and tight ends later. Blake Bortles, Jameis Winston, Alex Smith at quarterback, Todd Gurley, Giovanni Bernard, Jeremy Hill, Arian Foster, and Chris Thompson at running back. 
Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, Jordan Matthews, Tyler Lockett, Philip Dorsett uh, at receiver, Zach Miller, Kyle Rudolph, and Jared Cook at tight end. He also adds, uh, oh, excuse me, Bruce Ellington uh, at receiver as well. Um, Seattle defense, Houston defense on his roster. This is, I'm, I think one thing is becoming blatantly clear, Jared. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if the overall winner is coming from this league because all these teams seem so balanced to me. Uh, Erickson's yeah. weakness to me, I think, is tight end. Other than that, he's looking very good. Yeah, I agree. And you know, another case of stacking a backfield with Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill, I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, based on game script, you know, he, he should get at least, you know, one top 20 running back out of that duo each week. And, you know, you could have some weeks for both guys finish top 20. Um, also, really like his quarterback that he ended up with, um, you know, despite waiting until the 10th round. You got Blake Bortles, who probably takes a bit of a step back this season, but I still like him as a top eight guy. I think his rushing ability is underrated as well. I think not many people talk about that. Um, and then Jameis Winston is definitely capable of taking another step forward in his second season. And Alex Smith, as boring as, boring as he is, um, I think you know gets him a nice floor at quarterback. Uh, Rashad Cobb takes uh, waits till round 12 to take his quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, and Jared Goff lead the way there. The running backs, Thomas Rawls, Latavius Murray, Justin Forsett, Rashad Jennings, uh, Buck Allen, and Paul Perkins at running back. DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Golden Tate, Michael Crabtree, Deshaun Jackson, Steve Smith, Pierre Garçon, Ruben Randall at receiver. Delaney Walker and Will Ty are the tight end. So, I guess my opinion of, of Rashad Cobstein, Jared, if he if Ty is able to take that step forward this year, if he gets an adequate third tight end, uh, he should uh, he should be able to to be competitive. I, I guess I worry a little bit about the top end running backs and Rawls and Latavius Murray. Um, yep. You know, two guys that that I don't want to say are on shaky ground, but they're going to face competition uh, in their uh, situations. If they end up being bell cows, he's looking very good because those receivers are awesome. Yeah, I agree. I think the running backs are going to make or break this team. Like you said, Rawls and Murray both, you know, look like the leaders in the clubhouse to lead their team teams in carries this season. Um, then his, you know, third and fourth guys are Justin Forsett and Rashad Jennings, a couple of older running backs who, you know, will at least head to training camp as the favorites for their starting jobs. Um, and he backed up Forsett with Buck Allen. So, you know, as long as, assuming Kenneth Dixon doesn't, take that lead job in Baltimore um you know this this team uh has the starting running back for Mark Trustman offense which you know has been a big time fantasy asset in the past Drew Brees and Matthew Stafford lead the way for quarterbacks for Jules McLean's fantasy freaking football.com's team she also gets CJ Anderson DeMarco Murray Derek Henry Devontae Booker Wendell Smallwood Darren McFadden Sean Drawn uh Sean am I pronouncing that right is it Sean Drawn it sounds right to me, yeah. Okay, Sean John, James White uh, at running back. Receiver, A.J. Green, Brandon Marshall, Jarvis Landry, Willie Sneed, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Boyd, tight end Zach Ertz, Clive Walford in the Minnesota defense. I like what she did with the receivers early on and the fact that she was able to um, – you know, draft as many running backs as she did to sort of fill that position. That was great. It came at the cost yeah. of not getting a third tight end yet. Um, I think quarterback, she's going to be fine. So I worry about the third tight end. Um, but the fact that she was able to lock up that Titans running game, she didn't ignore receiver after she got those three top ones and getting Snead and Diggs. I like that as well. This is a, a strong team from Jules, no stranger to the draft experts format. Yeah, really strong wide receiver, obviously. 
strong at quarterback, locked up both the Titans' backfield and the Broncos' backfield, taking C.J. Anderson and then Devontae Booker. Um, and I think, you know, then she took four straight running backs in Wendell Smallwood, McFadden, Drown, and James White. You know, if, if even one of those guys can sort of become – a you know weekly running back three even I think this is a this is going to be a a tough team to beat. You look at uh, Craig Strang's team who drafted right after that Cam Newton and Andy Dalton at quarterback Lashawn McCoy Doug Martin Dion Lewis James Starks Jarek McKinnon Tim Hightower and Andre Ellington at running back Des Bryant Eric Decker Travis Benjamin Kamar Aiken Brashad Perriman at receiver. And then Jordan Reed, Jimmy Graham, Ben Watson at tight end. Also the Arizona Cardinals defense, the Carolina Panthers defense, and Graham Gano at kicker. A lot of running backs on this roster. Uh, I, I worry about the uh, the receiver depth here. I'm not a big Travis Benjamin guy. We don't know how Kamar Aiken is going to figure into that Baltimore offense, but he did at least get uh, Brashad Perriman as well. Otherwise, very strong up and down everywhere else. Yeah, I like that. You know, Craig was at least able to get Aiken and Perriman, so you know, hopefully – Maybe one of those guys emerges as a starter there. Travis Benjamin is a guy who is going to have much more value in best ball leagues. He should have some big games there as the deep threat in that offense. Um, and I thought Doug Martin in the fourth round was, you know, one of the best values, at least early on in this draft. Um, you know, he's a, he's a borderline second rounder in my mind. Um, so to get him in the fourth was great value. J.J. Zecharyson from uh, NumberFire.com waits until round 13 to draft his first quarterback. He gets Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota, and Colin Kaepernick. Running backs are Danny Woodhead, Matt Jones, Amir Abdullah, Bilal Powell, LeGarrett Blount, Spencer Ware, and Kadeem Carey. Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Jeremy Macklin, Dante Moncrief, Laquan Treadwell, and Brandon LaFell make up the receivers. Eric Ebron, Charles Clay, and Lance Kendricks at tight end. Uh, the receivers among the best, if not the best in this league, uh, you get some good pass-catching running backs uh, on this roster. I think he did fine at quarterback. I, you know, I, I worry a little bit about the third quarterback and the third tight end on this team. But other than that, uh, again, another very competitive – this is a tough draft, and this is another competitive team yeah. from J.J. Zacharyson. Yeah, I would say the best, uh, at least, you know, foursome of wide receivers in this league. I think he's fine at tight end with Ebron and Clay. Um, I think, you know, for waiting until the 13th round, Tyrod Taylor and Marcus Mariota is a nice quarterback duo. I think his, his season is going to come down to Matt Jones and Nabir Abdullah, a couple of second-year running backs. If, you know, one of those guys hits, I think he's in good shape. And if both of them hit, you know, he might be the favorite in this league. Kimra Schlischer, longtime FFPC high-stakes veteran, won a lot of money uh, playing with the FFPC and a lot of other high-stakes outfits over the years. She's been very successful. Here's how she did tonight. Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers at quarterback, Lamar Miller, Theo Riddick, Jay Ajayi, Jordan Howard, Josh Ferguson, Tyler Irvin, and Alex Collins at running back. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Doug Martin, excuse me, Doug Baldwin, Chris Hogan, Robert Woods, and Richard Matthews at receiver. Greg Olson, Tyler Eifert, Vance McDonald at tight end. She also had the Patriots defense. So I would say elite at quarterback. I would also say mm-hmm. pretty elite at tight end as well. Uh, she's going to need uh, some injuries, which, let's face it, running backs ha- get hurt all the time. They get hurt falling out of bed uh, if 2015 was, was any guide. Uh, so, I mean, it, with all those handcuffs, she should cash into some value there. Uh, the receiver depth is a little worrisome, I guess. I mean, Chris Hogan is the number four. He could have a good season in New England. And then Robert Woods and Richard Matthews, in a best ball format, I guess I feel more comfortable with this. 
Um, but, you know, again, it's tough to poke holes in this strategy if these running backs end up panning out. Yeah, probably the most interesting team construction in this draft, you know. Um, Kimra spent six of the first 12 picks on either quarterback or tight ends, um, assuming this team is done at those two positions. So the rest of the way, you're probably going to see a bunch of running backs and wideouts. And, you know, that's sort of, again, playing the quantity over quality at those positions. I definitely think it, it can work a wide receiver. So I'd, I'd be more worried about the running backs on this team. Love Lamar Miller in the second round. But beyond that, I think there's a bunch of question marks. And the final team we'll look at tonight is Jay Myers of DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. He gets Joe Flacco, Ryan Tannehill, Sam Bradford, and Carson Wentz. So he locks up that Eagles uh, situation, unless Chase Daniel all of a sudden uh, steps in. Uh, of course, he's still on the board. I shouldn't have said that. Chase Daniel could be selected yet. Those are his quarterbacks. Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Chris Ivory, Alfred Morris, Cameron Artis-Payne, and Stevon Ridley at running back. Devontae Parker, Kevin White, Larry Fitzgerald, Doriel Green-Beckham, Mike Wallace, Nelson Aguilar, Josh Doxson at receiver, Jason Witten, and Darius Green at tight end. Interesting that we look at this team because I think they're fine at quarterback. Uh, I, I think that tight end is kind of a question mark with, with no tight end behind Green and Witten. Um, the running backs are very good, um, if not excellent, I would say, uh, on this team. And then the receivers, it's sort of the both ends of the spectrum. Either the guys that he drafted were super young in Parker, White, DGB, Aguilar, and Doxon, or super old, like Mike Wallace and Larry Fitzgerald. So really the opposite ends of the spectrum yeah. uh, with receiver there. This team end up, uh, could, could end up being very uh, competitive as well if they can get some production from that third tight end. Yeah, I was going to say, this team has the look of one that is either going to finish first or last, which is a fine strategy <laughs> to me. I think, you know, there's there's no difference between second and last place. So I think if, you know, he has a ton of boomer bust type players in Devontae Parker, Kevin White, Darius Green, Melvin Gordon, Doriel Green, Beckham, Mike Wallace. Um, you know, so if a few of those guys can hit, this team could definitely win this league. If they all bust, then, you know, he he might be near the bottom. He definitely could be. Jared, you are definitely never, ever going to be near the bottom of our hearts. A fantastic performance from you tonight. A fantastic performance drafting last night by you and the pros versus Joes, and a great job co-hosting tonight for two hours plus. I know it's already uh, Wednesday where you're at right now, so I want to thank you for staying on a little bit later tonight. We're going to follow you uh, on uh, Twitter at SmolaDS, of course. Uh, follow Draft Sharks on Twitter at Draft Sharks. Everybody check out uh, the uh, mock draft trainer that uh, Draft Sharks has released, as well as the MVP board. Uh, it is well worth your time uh, and, your, uh, and your money to, to go ahead and get a Draft Sharks account. Make sure uh, that you are having these guys who have won multiple awards for their preseason projections at your disposal for your fantasy drafts this year. It is an absolute must. And, Jared, you guys have already, uh, at Draft Sharks, you've released the, um, the comeback player. Uh, of the yep. year, as well as the uh, first round bust of the year. What's uh, what's coming up as far as big time uh, article releases for you guys? Yeah, so we have our uh, breakout player coming on Tuesday. We're actually still debating that in the office. There's there's two guys we're down to right now, so still figuring that one out. Like both guys, I think all of us like both guys. Just got to figure out who the one breakout guy is going to be. So that will be on the site this coming Tuesday. Okay, that's very cool. I'm, I'm excited to see that on Tuesday. The breakout player for Draft Sharks is released. Listen, man, thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck in the pros versus Joes. Good luck in all of your drafts this year. I want to thank you uh, for sitting in with me tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thanks a lot. 
Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Eric. This was fun. Awesome stuff. Jared Smola from DraftSharks.com, senior editor, multiple award winner for his fantasy projections there. Great stuff that he hung out tonight. So, a bit of housekeeping. First of all, I want to thank Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com. Follow him on Twitter at FantasyMojo. He's the brainchild behind putting all these, uh, these leagues and, and all the pros together. Uh, we just basically give him the Joes and say, hey, email these guys, figure it out. And he does every year. It's fantastic. Uh, you can actually get um, uh, the pros versus Joes draft boards. I mean, we, I have to sign off the, the YouTube uh, stream here shortly, but you can get the pros versus Joes final draft boards at FantasyMojo.com. Uh, you can uh, also get them at the myffpc.com message boards. And, of course, our high-stakes fantasy football, our Facebook and Twitter will have those released uh, this week, I believe. Uh, you can check them out on there. Reminder, everybody sign up for the main event. If you're listening to this live, you have essentially, what, uh, three more hours to get in uh, to get your early draft slot this coming weekend here. Uh, remember, the main event, $250,000 grand prize, $1.8 million prize pool, pays down uh, super deep. Uh, it's the deepest payouts in the industry as far as high stakes events go. And hopefully we'll see you out at the Westgate in uh, Las Vegas uh, with Rashad Cobb, uh, who is drafting tonight, lives in Vegas. He'll be drafting live at the Westgate. Uh, remember to sign up for our online satellite Superflex and Football Guys Players Championship Leagues. Uh, Football Guys Players Championship among the uh, you know, the, the best contest in the industry. And it is the biggest mid stakes contest in industry history, $350 a team. And you're playing for a $1.8 million prize pool pays down to 650th place, 250,000 grand to the winner. Thanks to Jules McLean, who uh, you can follow on Twitter at red rider, uh, fantasy Thanks to Shane Hallam at Shane P Hallam and at draft TV. You can check out his work at DraftTV.com. Again, thanks to Rashad Cobb. And of course, Matt Shelf. Hopefully you bring that Scott fishbowl, uh, championship home. Uh, you should follow him on Twitter at shelf DS and Jared Smola at Smola DS. Follow draft sharks on Twitter at draft sharks. Uh, check out DraftSharks.com. You will not regret it, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of great content there, and I think that Jared brought you a lot of great insight drafting in the pros versus Joe's last night and then giving his input tonight on, uh, on what took place. So check that out. Uh, we will be live on Friday night for a normal time, 10-9 Central, longtime FFPC high-stakes fantasy football veteran and off-the-grid player John Shaw. 10-9 Central. Dave Gerzak will be back and will be broadcasting live. We have three more pros versus Joe's leagues next week. Stay tuned for that. Those start on Sunday. Your Wednesday officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Honestly, Matt Schauf has his kids play soccer tonight and then has an ice cream party afterwards. I could tell he, I mean, he sounded exhausted. Put together a great team. I'm exhausted too. I need to get some sleep. I need to prepare for the next three drafts. Dave Gerzak will be back in the studio next week for Pros vs. Joe's. Thanks for listening.